and we are live. Welcome back to Talk It Up. Today's guest is Juliette Welsh. She is a life coach and and a health coach and a health coach. I was going to say that. And how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. So I know you from what ended up being Viewpoint, but was RDD at first, which is a call center. So the people that listen to the podcast will know stories. I've told some RDD stories. Um, and then you mentioned when I talked to you, and I haven't seen you, how long has it been? Over 10 years, probably? It's been a long time. I'm, I'm 31 <laughs> now, and I last worked at RDD when I was like 19 or 20, I think. I don't even think I was 21 yet. Mm, so, I started when I was 20. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, about, it's got to be about 10 years. Wow. Close, close too. <laughs> um, but you had mentioned that you still do stuff in market research, right? I do. I got poached by another market research company. Like a different company? Does someone yeah. come in or is Viewpoint still a thing? Is Viewpoint is still a thing. But there's like a competitor? There's a competitor, but this is actually one that is operating all over the U.S. Okay. So I was able to work from home and then I even ran the El Paso Center for a little while until mm -hmm. COVID hit. And then I was like, can I work from home again? <laughs> so there's one in El Paso, but if you live in Cruces, you get to work remotely? Is that what you're yes, saying? Yes. Okay. There was a center in El Paso, but what I was doing wasn't uh, really related to the center, mm -hmm. but they needed a new director. And so I took over for about a year and a half. Yeah. And so you're still doing that as well as doing uh, life coach, health coach stuff, right? Yeah. Um, which one do you like better? Be honest. Well, actually, the um, health coaching is a result of being the director of operations. Like, I mean, for years in uh, working at Viewpoint, you actually learn how to coach people because mm -hmm. you coach people. I don't, I don't know if I ever coached you. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Because <laughs> you listen to their, their calls and you coach them on what they're doing to mm -hmm. get them better at their job. And so as a director of operations, I found out I'm running a business for another company and I'm working so many hours. Mm -hmm. The things I like the most are training, building my team and really coaching them one-on-one. -on -one. And that's where they seem to like. They lit up. They were really growing. And so... I made that decision that, hey, life is too short. You mm -hmm. should start to kind of focus on the things that you like. So how long have you been doing that? The health coaching? The health coaching I've been doing for about uh, maybe like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And um, but I've always been coaching in one way or another since like Viewpoint was sort of my training ground for coaching. I think that's pretty cool. So are you saying like during your coaching, essentially at the market research place, you're like, hey, I like this, like this part of it. I'm assuming there's parts of the job you don't like. Right. And that's probably why that part stood out a little bit. Oh, like, yeah, I like that. Cause I, I know what you mean because I'm, the, I, I'm kind of that way too, where like, I like almost like a, le a leadership role is literally what it is. Like some people like yourself are just better at that. They're not meant to be the, the little workers. They're meant to be the person that influences all the workers because one, sometimes someone's so good it's better to place them in a managerial role where they can affect all the others. Right. Is that, mm -hmm. is that kind of like how you felt? Yeah. I mean, the hard part is though, is when you're in a, a role like that in the managerial role, you get half, they, there's so much need to focus on the stuff that doesn't matter in my opinion, you know, like all this admin extra stuff. And so you're all putting all this energy into that stuff. And by the time you're ready to like coach your team or get your team on track, mm -hmm. you have like, you're drained. You have this little tiny window of time that you can spend with them. So that was what, what made me want to move out of that. I wanted to have more of an impact with people. That's really good. Not a lot of people see that. And that's an important thing that I think everyone should try to look at themselves. Like what, cause everyone has that thought, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm should, I meant to do more like that Spider-Man or <laughs> a superhero moment where they're like, I meant to do great things and probably are right. 
they just never take the time to identify what that great thing could be. And so I think that's pretty cool that you've done that. Um, and it sounds like you really enjoy both, right? And sometimes hobbies need to be that before they can be the main thing you do, right? Like this essentially is a hobby for me. I have a full-time job. Um, but I hope my job doesn't listen to this. I really enjoy doing this. And if there was an opportunity to do something like this, I would. Uh, but at the same time, I also love my job. Like my job created what you see today because I learned how to communicate to different people and, and how to care and, and just so much about mental health and so much about like understanding human beings and, and what they do and why they do. I would not replace it at all. If I can do both for the rest of my life, I totally would. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's really cool that you do that. What, so you mentioned a little bit, I actually saw that you're doing like a challenge coming up, right? Was it on the 8th or 7th? Oh, actually, that's a, a talk that I did for, um, for how to cut out the sugar. So if you start to... Um, well, you already did it? Is that what you said? Well, we recorded it in advance, but it plays on the 8th or the 9th. And I'm going to be there to answer questions in the chat. I see what you're saying. And it's, it's, what is it about? So that's how to cut the sugar. And what I am doing at the same time on top of that is a cleanse which might be what you're talking about I think as I saw well. That. Yeah. Cause um, it's actually one of the things you do on a cleanse is you cut out your sugar, you cut out all your irritants. So like, what is an irritant? Did <laughs> you say irritant? Irritant. So, so things food that are irritating? irritants. Yeah. So okay. there are common foods that we actually um, tend, I don't know if it's because we overconsume them. Mm -hmm. um, I know dairy is just a big trigger food for most people. Like most people don't digest that very well. I see what you're saying. Uh, like caffeine is something where many of us are addicted to. It's a highly stimulating. So is it only an irritant if it affects you? Um, like if milk doesn't mess me up, is it not my irritant, but it could be someone else's? It, yes, it may not be your irritant, but in order to cleanse, you do kind of rid yourself of all of that. Because it potentially could be. And right? then okay. after the cleanse, it's really good to take the time to identify what is an irritant. This is like if you're holding on to extra weight and you want to drop that weight. Like I find that uh, like I'll lose like, six or seven pounds every time on a cleanse, which means generally most of the time I'm carrying around six or seven pounds when I'm eating foods that are irritant. Mm -hmm. um, so like if people are really trying to lose the weight or if you're just feeling like you don't have this energy, this is one of the things I would feel at, at viewpoint was I would eat with everybody and we'd order this Mexican food. And then I would get so tired. I'd start yawning so much that my eyes were watering and I didn't want to move. You know, you mm -hmm. get real slow when you still like four more hours to go. Yeah. That food crash is tough. Yes. And yeah. now because I know what foods I'm sensitive to, I don't have that feeling ever. I don't get the two o'clock crash. That's interesting. So you cut out certain things. See, I always thought that crash was going to happen no matter what. No. Like, that's just the way it works when you eat food. <laughs> See, that's why I'm glad you're here. You're helping me out. Maybe I'm eating something I shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> maybe so the milk really does have an impact. <laughs> maybe. I love milk, by the way. But I did. I slowly took away. The, the next step for me is not drinking milk at all. Because I drink vitamin D milk my whole life, which is tons of fat. And then I went to like whatever's below that. Like, a, what is it? Like a 2% maybe. Yeah, uh -huh. And then I remember going 1% for like a day. And I'm like, this is disgusting. And I went right back to 2 And then recently, uh, my buddy Lloyd, he's doing a, a physique competition. He was cutting weight. And he, he said that his coach uh, told him switch. He's only allowing him to have skim milk. So now I actually do like that because I realize I don't drink milk by itself ever. It's usually in like a protein shake or a smoothie or something like that. And so I switched to skim and it doesn't bother me at all. So now I'm there, which is healthier. Is milk bad for you? I should just ask you. I don't really know if milk is bad for you. I like as kids, we drink milk all the time for mm. vitamin D. So I think it does actually it's good for you. 
but um i think we i think it's the process like the the more they process stuff like with dairy i found like cheese in particular i used to dislike cheese mm-hmm. and they've more they've processed it more and more now that i i love it like i'm addicted to it and i know there's something different about the taste now and then the taste before and i've even gotten more like cheeses that are less messed with and um i found that that's the cheese i didn't like as a child <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of it has to do with that. Um, so I don't think milk is bad for you. I think it's just how you consume it or how much you consume it. Like I had to go, I had to stop doing milk, stop doing ice cream and I will do cheese here and there. Mm-hmm. So, and I saw one of your videos where you mentioned you had some food sensitivities. Was that one of them? I had like 30 food sensitivities. You had or have? I had. So I took a whole year of cutting out all the foods Okay. and I healed my stomach and I'm, Still intolerant to gluten, so I really shouldn't have gluten. And I generally don't. It's If I do, it's a cross-contamination type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, dairy is another one that I really stay away from. I found that cheese doesn't have as much of an impact because it's kind of in a different uh, form. Mm-hmm. So um, that doesn't usually, but I, I don't really like how cheese makes me act as a person. Like I found that certain... <laughs> You're going to have to explain <laughs> this to me. So cheese makes you act different? Well, with doing the cleanses, you become so much more aware of how these foods uh, like kind of make you really craving. Uh, like, so I'll give you a story. Yes. I, give me an example. <laughs> so after the cleanse, I was so craving cheese. So I went ahead and had cheese. Okay. And I um, then I started thinking about like a pizza. And Naturally, it's like, yeah, but it was like one of those cravings that it just won't get out of your mind until you have it. So I went like two days, not, you mm-hmm. know, ignoring the craving two days. It just won't go away. It was like constantly there. And to me, I was like, it is you had so the weird. Right? It was like my gateway. <laughs> yeah, it's a gateway. It's a gateway, <laughs> gateway food. food. So I, I'm starting to see how cheese is making you act weird. So you're literally <laughs> thinking about this and you're trying to figure out, okay, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt your story. No, no. So I just, I saw how that was some, one of the things I react like that um, processed foods, like even um, noodles, mm-hmm. like I do gluten-free noodles, but they process those. And I have the similar reaction to that, to where okay. I'm like really wanting. It's not as bad as like the crazy dairy situation. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it's, it, I can see how it, it is kind of like a gateway. Like when I'm on the cleanse and I'm eating healthy and I'm eating clean, my, I'm, I'm mentally clear. Like I'm actually making yeah. decisions and the, you'll think about food because food is just a habit of mine to reach for under stress. So the thought crosses my mind. It's like an addict, like it's always going to be there, Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, there's no attachment. So it's like, I don't really need the food. Yeah, it is. It's, I have a weird relationship with food because I totally understand what's bad for me, but I like, I don't care like sometimes, right? Like I love it, but I, I understand, I have a good understanding of what, and you're right when it, when you're talking about the habit, right? Cause there's so many nights where I'm like, um, I did fasting for a while and you could tell the differences in the way you crave food when you're fasting and not fasting. When I'm not fasting, I actually get into a routine of when I don't eat. And so I don't actually crave foods in those windows anymore, but I'm not fasting at all. And I haven't been for a while. And I find myself at night being like, like craving the weirdest stuff. It was so bad last night at like 1130. And I go to bed like around 12 because I'd be up for work. And uh, I, I tried to Grubhub 
Walgreens because I wanted snacks from Walgreens. I was trying to get a Grubhub driver (laughs) to go to Walgreens to bring me snacks. And they were closed, of course, like everything else. And I was so sad. And then I realized how miserable I was. I looked down and I closed my phone and I looked at the clock and it was 1130. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to go to bed in 30 minutes. By the time this guy brings me the stuff or whoever it is, it'll be 12, 12, 15. And then I got to eat it. And then I'm just going to bed. Like, if I just hurry up and go to bed, I won't even get it. And so I had to do that. Um, and then when I woke up in the morning, I'm like, what is wrong with you, Will? I'm trying to get Grubhub at Walgreens at 1130 at night. Can I ask what it was? What was your weakness? Oh, like that I wanted from there? Oh, it's just any snacks. Like, I, I have a ton of go-tos that I would get from anything gummy, like if it's a, a candy. Which I don't eat sweets a lot, but like for whatever reason, I'll go through a thing where I like gummy snacks and I freeze them. I don't know if anyone's ever done this. So I, <laughs> I've never heard. Hey, I'm you so said curious. cheese makes you act crazy. I'm gonna have to try this. <laughs> don't be judging me. Um, I get every every gummy thing, like uh, let's say gummy bears, for instance. But I throw them in the freezer for like an hour, so they get like nice, like in like almost like yeah, to where you couldn't just chew them. It takes a while, uh, and I'll do it with anything with like the peach rings, uh, starburst. Know like gummies not the actual starburst but like the ones with like the little gushers in the middle um i don't know why i just freeze them mm. and it makes them last longer and they're ice cold and they're refreshing and that was what i had in my head when i was trying to get that i'm not trying to kick the sugar habit but i've got to try that <laughs> i just have to just see it what once. it's like i hope i didn't encourage anyone to try any bad habits but that's what i was craving but yeah it's not always like that but for whatever reason last night it was and i've been doing pretty good the last few weeks cuz i had uh so i haven't been drinking i don't i haven't drink alcohol at all for the last 3 weeks um, tomorrow will be three weeks exactly, which is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, cause I, I, I try to check myself a little bit when it comes to that stuff, even if it's not going overboard and, and, you know, I work in that field now, so I'm very aware of what it could become. And I have a history with this and it's, it's been talked about, so I don't mind talking about it. Um, I have to really be aware of when I'm taking things overboard and it's anything, if it's not alcohol, it's food, it's treats, it's, uh, sometimes it's good things like the gym. There's times where I'm like, there's one time where I'm like 16 days straight to the gym and then I ended up like messing up my back and I'm like, that's way too much gym. Like even like professional people would be like, that's, and I was like hour and a half each time. It's way too much gym. So I need to check that. Mm-hmm. And so I have that in me. And so like, uh, we had had like a, just a bunch of like kind of celebrations back to back. And I decided I think I'm going to do a little like uh, no drinking for a while just, and so, I, and naturally when you don't drink, you make better food choices. Yes. And so my food choices <laughs> all three weeks have been pretty decent. And on the days where I didn't do so good, I was still under my calories. It wasn't the best like uh, mac- micronutrition or macros, right? Yeah. My macros weren't the greatest, um, but I was still under my, my calories for the day. Uh, definitely under my calories for the week. So it worked out. Um, but for whatever reason last night, maybe because I know it's about to be done, <laughs> my gummy bears. And I thought about like uh, chips, probably like a Gatorade, maybe like I don't drink sugary drinks either. And I was, yeah, I think I was ready to binge. <laughs> Thank you, Grubhub for not being Open. <laughs> available at 1130. It's so hilarious with things like Grubhub and, um, I, so the access to things are just so much more that yes. it's become a new problem for me. A new problem. Yes. Because Let's hear it. so he, I just like you, I don't drink sugary drinks. I don't even have snacks in my house. Like, Unless they're like nuts or something or like a dark chocolate chip or it's just stuff that, you know, like it helps me make smarter choices. But now, I mean, like I was doing DoorDash for a while because, you know, when you're just lazy and you want something, but you don't want to go anywhere. It's very addicting too. It's easy to do Once you do it once, you're like, oh, I'll pay $3 to have someone go bring me jelly beans or whatever it is. (laughs) So, So yes, I know what you mean. So, but I've, I've 
because of how much it, it costs with the DoorDash and stuff like that, and they've added on all these extra fees, they act like it doesn't cost more, but it, then you have all these extra fees. So it's kind of yeah. like this. It all I learned a way around that, by the way. Oh, but, you're going to have to tell me. <laughs> well, there's there's some of them, and I don't mean to interrupt the story. There's some of them that are like uh, specials, like where you don't get the fee at all. The only uh, thing you pay is a tax um, or a tip if you want to. Mm-hmm. And people don't know that, too. You don't have to tip, which you should, by the way. Don't be an right. a-hole. We're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> But there's an option to tip less because it always selects like the middle one mm-hmm. um, or sometimes people don't know they're doing it uh, either way. That's, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, some of them, you don't have to pay the fee at all. You just pay your tax and the food and then tip if you and want. Tip. OK, um, well, the other problem is, is they built a dollar general on the corner of where I live. Like mm-hmm. it's just two minutes away from my house. And I think the reason why this is a problem is because when I was the director of operations at that call center, mm-hmm. we had a it was like a family dollar or something but it was right next to it and i I was in charge of getting the snacks and we would Mm -hmm. you know give people candy and stuff and that would sit in my office and it's like i started eating candy again and i hadn't because it was there yes you go back to your old habits of like the reason why i developed my food allergies and sensitivities was because i would stress eat with my chips and my chocolate Mm -hmm. in my office and so it's like like that reopened which was terrible and so now I have this dollar general by my house and um, say like, I just need cat litter or something. I'll go mm-hmm. there. So then you're just, you're thinking about the candy or the chips, the stuff that I don't normally eat. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard. Cause you kind of reason with yourself, you know, you're like, I'm not going to get anything like that. And you're kind of walking by and you're like, but I, you know, you eat really healthy. You can, you can do you can have one. Right. You don't <laughs> have to eat it. You can just put it on the shelf. Exactly. Just buy it. And I actually <laughs> find a lot of times just buying it is enough. Cause once really? I see not for me, <laughs> You I are see strong. The, the basket field and it's like a trigger to me. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, something's going on in your, your life right now. You're probably stressed out. Like it actually is. It's a really good little messenger for me, Yeah, but I have to allow myself to buy it. It's kind of like, you can have it if you really need it. If it, it. works. It, so that works for you. <laughs> yeah. If it works, it works. That's what I tell everyone. I'm like, I don't care what anyone says. If what you're doing is giving you the result, then keep doing it. I wouldn't be able to do that because I would just eat. It. It's the opposite. I know if, and I'll randomly do challenges or try to get into shape for something or just kind of like purge, get rid of a few things. Um, and I can't have them here. So I, I'll tell like me and Laura, I'm like, all right, we got to either finish them this week, which probably isn't <laughs> the best idea either. Uh, eat them now. So I don't eat them later or just don't get them. Uh, but yeah, if it's here in the house, it's just one stupid, one of those late night thoughts and I'm eating all of them. Um, but the good thing is I have a decent balance of like what I'm doing to where I'm like, I don't let it like ruin the way I feel because I mostly make good choices. And so when I make those few bad ones, I'm like, ah, I can live with this, but then I do have to check it that way. It's not continuous bad mm-hmm. ones. Um, but you, you had said something earlier about binging is how you develop some food allergies. Yeah. So how does that work? I always thought food allergies were like kind of you're born with them or you're not. So you're saying that you could oh, develop. Well, a lot of people nowadays develop food allergies as they're adults. Okay. I didn't know that, but you can develop sensitivities at any point. And what does a sensitivity mean as opposed to an allergy? So an allergy is something that you're going to have an immune response to. Okay. So your body's going to attack it and it's really bad for you because it can actually escalate. Like say you, um, like what I would do is I'd get like a little rash on my wrist. So that's, that's what my first reaction is. Mm-hmm. Well, over time I would, I actually started having this, this pain in my chest where I actually couldn't eat anymore. I literally could not eat. Every time I'd sit there and try to eat, I couldn't mm-hmm. eat. So it was, it was a really painful 
um, experience. I'm not really sure what people who have like those peanut allergies experience, but oh, it, yeah. I'm assuming it's mine was a mild Version reaction. Yes. Yeah. And so an intolerance or a sensitivity is something that you get like bloating or it's like it is affecting your body, but it's something that you can eat and it's not going to be life harming. Mm-hmm. Um, so what helped was me cutting out those foods for that year. Probably didn't need to do it for the full year, but I was hyper like, you're so hyper aware of everything you eat. Like, am I having a reaction? Oh my God, I don't know. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I took a year of not eating any of those foods and I retested because you can actually do a blood test to figure out what you're allergic oh, really? to and what you're sensitive to. I did not know that. I, I would assume the allergic one, but I didn't know about the sensitivity one. So you cut out. That was my next question is like, so if you cut out everything, how do you know which ones were the ones that they. So when I went to the doctor, cause I, I, like I said, I couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. I was having this every time I'd even just eat a little bit. I was trying to eat these tiny meals. It just couldn't eat. So I went to the doctor and she suggested I go to, cause I had already started trying to cut out gluten cause I had read it online mm-hmm. and she suggested that I go to an allergist and like this lady did a blood test. And that's something I offer my clients is this blood test so that they can figure out what it is. To me, it gave me, it was horrible because it's like 30 foods and they're all the foods you love the most. You know, like chocolate was one of my Mm go-to stress foods. I couldn't eat it anymore. So I had to make a whole life change, but it's really awesome because you get this list of foods and you know where to start. You know, okay, these are the foods that I shouldn't eat if I want to heal. And it was um, a really great journey, actually. Like, of course it was terrible and it was always sad because people would eat in front of me and wonderful foods and nobody understood. They were like, tell me I was on a diet, you know, like constantly mm-hmm. telling me, well, you're on a diet and you're like, what would you call it if it wasn't a diet? Like, what would you phrase it as? Uh, I guess I just felt insulted because people would act like it was in your head. So I remember going to my uncle's house and he was, I mean, he'd make these biscuits and gravy, such delicious food, but I couldn't eat any of it. Mm -hmm. And so he would just kind of shame me into being like, you're on a diet, you know, you should just eat the food. Like, because he felt bad, I guess. So he would make me feel bad. And I, I've just experienced that a lot with people. So it's like, but I'm making like a health, a decision that I have to make because I want to actually be able to eat again. (laughs) No. And that makes sense. That makes complete sense. But you're right. There's always this thing where it's like, uh, and I think it's a parent thing. It, it comes from a good place, but it can be very hurtful. Right. When someone's like, why aren't you eating? You need to eat and be happy. And who cares like about stuff? And it's like, and it's an easy thing to say. And it sounds like it's coming from a good place. But if you're doing something because you, you said it perfectly, like this is to better your health. This is important to you. Uh, it's hard because it's like, you want everyone to respect it, but like, it's, I think it's also understandable that people don't because it's like they're living in their world where that's their version of caring. Food is like, especially in Hispanic mm-hmm. cultures, that's how you care. Italian cultures, you make people food, you feed them and, and that feels good. And when people aren't eating then something's wrong with them, because in reality, the other person doesn't feel good about that's how they yeah. show their love. Right. And so there's this whole like dynamic of how are we communicating here? Um, so I get what you're saying. That must be like super tough to hear that. Um, so what do you do in these situations when stuff like that happens? When someone um, kind of shames you. Yeah. Do you ever consider like, oh, they're right. I should just stop this. Or, yeah. I mean, really? that is a, um, this is something that is um, something I work with my clients on. Even if they're just trying to lose weight or something, you mm-hmm. know, at some point, somebody in their life will, they may not do it on purpose, but they might act like almost sabotage because they're kind of worried about their change. Mm-hmm. And so like when you're like, 
you want to belong, right? You don't want to mm-hmm. be the, the outsider that's sitting there with your carrots on your plate where everybody's got the delicious, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, biscuits and gravy meal. And so you feel like you don't, you're isolated. You're like, I don't belong. And so it's kind of trying to help them figure out like, how do you, how can you still belong with the people in your life when it's not, but it doesn't have to be about food. Just like you said, we are mm-hmm. very conditioned. Food is a way we show love especially when you're visiting people, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I love to cook wonderful foods. I love to go all out when people come to visit. And I know that's what my uncle was doing, right? Yeah. And he just couldn't understand that it was something that I was like, I would, I just don't want to be having a reaction. I'm very, very controlled. So the idea of being sick in somebody else's house and I, I, we would go there for like seven days straight, you know, like mm-hmm. that was horrifying for me. Like, I don't want to be in this weak state. I don't. <laughs> yeah no and that, that's so what do you what would you tell a client that was going through something like that or what worked for you or what would you tell a person because i feel like that's going to be an issue a lot so people listening are probably can relate they mm-hmm. go every time i try something because i can relate and i haven't done anything too crazy but i know the other thing that you didn't mention or you kind of alluded to is it be kind it kind of becomes the subject like if you're at an event and everyone's eating uh Mm-hmm. Um, enchiladas and tacos and they're pouring the cheese and the nachos and you're the carrot person <laughs> like what's that diet oh will's on diet again yeah. guys ah, and then someone comes in a family member's like you're on a diet why and <laughs> then that's all people are talking about and uh, because i've done challenges a lot and like when i hang out like with family members sometimes they're like are you on any restrictions or like i'm like why does this always have to be the subject um so i'm assuming that happens a lot uh, i'm sure okay. that happened to you obviously and i'm assuming it's happened to people listening um, and I don't know what to do with that. Thank God I'm stubborn and I don't really care. And so like it bothers me for like two seconds and then I move on. But for most people, it probably bothers them and they don't know what to do. What do you tell a client or what worked for you in those situations? Well, you know, what's fun about coaching is you don't tell people to do anything. Good point. You can tell them a little bit of your story. But what is so powerful is you start to ask them questions. And you ask them just a little bit about, well, first of all, do they do are they aware of the fact that there is this need to belong? Like there is a possible reason why they're mm-hmm. not making a change. Cause this is a reason why people don't make change. This is one of the sabotage that we will do. Like so we like we were talking earlier, like if you go on a diet and you are um you're doing really great for that like month and then you start like it just you can't do good anymore and you stop and you're like, Why do I always do this? Why do I always go on mm-hmm. a diet? And then I I give up like halfway through. And that's one of the reasons is this need to belong with people. So if people are making you feel uncomfortable, it's it's a good question to ask people like, you know, is there is this a possibility that you are holding on to this this idea of belonging because you're so scared that if you change, they're not going to love you anymore. You're not going to be part of that group. Mm-hmm. Like, could you imagine like if if your fear was that people are just going to stop inviting you over because you're, you're not eating what they're going to eat. Mm-hmm. That's a lonely feeling. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm on board with you for most of this. Right. And I agree that is a lonely feeling I, and I can only think from my own mindset. Right. Here's how I would interpret that. And again, I'm not a coach or anything, but just as, as me as a human being, if, if it was me and I was worried about that, I think it sends a message that the person doesn't value other things about them. Right. Cause you're right. If someone tells me, or if I'm worried, they may not want me as part of their group because I'm not eating what they're eating. That's that's perfectly fine. But couldn't I bring something else to that group of people? Mm-hmm. Couldn't I bring fun character? 
Couldn't I be the person that's the game player? Every group of friends has the one person that's trying to play games all the time. And they have all the board games in their trunk ready to go. (laughs) I would think value. That's what I would think. I would think what what could I be doing other than that? That way I'm not even worried about that. You are so healthy. Like this is that's like in a way what you just did was a coaching like reframe. You just helped that like somebody like, for instance, I was your client. You helped me access into a part of my value. Because one of the things that I liked to do was I because when you can't eat in certain foods, you start mm-hmm. to learn about new foods that you never heard of or never knew existed and your eyes open to this world of all this food that we're just we don't even know about. Yeah. And so I would make a new recipe, you know, and I'd pick out like say because for the holidays, I like to bring whatever I, I, I do recipes throughout the year and then mm-hmm. whatever was good, like I'll bring it over for the holidays. And it's amazing because people are like, mm, this is really great. What is this? And now you're just educating them on yeah. a new different food. And nobody's noticing that you're not eating whatever it is because we're all eating mine. And then whatever else I could eat, I put on my plate. But we're not talking about what I can't eat. So it is focusing on, like mm-hmm. you said, your value or what you could do um, is a really wonderful way to help like a client through that instance. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of what I was going with with it. But that makes sense. Um, I, I that, And that's just me. I think like growing up at a young age, like I kind of was the outcast kind of guy a little bit. And people that only know me as an older person, I was like, there's no way you were 100 percent was weird kid. I had long hair. Believe it or not, I had hair went to my shoulders. It curled up and everyone thought I was a girl. Swear to God, I had my high pitched will voice I was like, hey, guys. And they're like, they all like, oh, sweetie, could I get you? Like I, when I lived at one of the, the group homes, one of the shelters. One of the staff members was like, did someone get this girl a soup? And I was just like, oh, I'm a boy. My name is Will. So, so trust me, I know, I know that was just me. And so I learned at a young age, like, and obviously my voice changed, my hair fell out <laughs> for whatever reason. I got very masculine the next year. Um, but I understand that, like, not everyone's going to understand it. I just remember there was a movie. It reminds me of this. Do you ever see Remember the Titans? I, yes. A long Do you remember time Sunshine? Ago. There's a character in the movie named Sunshine. And he was the new quarterback that joined the team and uh, the other kids on the team. This is a, what, do you remember when that movie came out? It must've been in the nineties, I think or early two thousands older movie. Um, and uh, they're making fun of sunshine. And at one point, one of the characters in the show that's on the, the Titans team, he ends up like essentially making a joke that he was gay because he had long gold hair uh, and the character in the movie, instead of getting offended or upset and he wasn't, he just kind of went with it and just like made it funny. He's like, ah, you'll find out. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah, it's all good. Like, and he just kind of went with it to the point where he took the power back. Right. Yeah. It was like, you can't really make fun of someone who doesn't care. And uh, I'll never, I'll never forget that because that's, that's what it meant to me. I don't know what the creators of the show or the movie intended, but I remember Mm -hmm. thinking like, what a cool thing where it's like, people can only make fun of you if you allow them. And same thing Mm -hmm. with the food stuff. That's what it brought to me is like that side of me with figuring out what my value is. If someone were, because in that sense, they're not making fun of you, right? But you definitely feel like the outsider when it's very apparent that that's an issue. Um, I would, that's where my, why my brain goes there is because I feel like that's okay. I'm okay with being different. And everyone says that, like, I'm different. Like, I just want to be special. And sure, like, let's all be special. But we're creatures of habit and community and we all want to blend in. And we, we want to, when I say community, I mean, you're, your, your children, if you're a parent, your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad, your friends, your coworkers, these are our communities, right? And you want to belong or relate some way with those people. 
And so it's like, what value do I bring to that? May not be this. I don't care to be a weird person that's not eating, but I need to have something, right? And so I'm really good at like picking out like what else is is my strength here? What other strength could I bring to this so this thing doesn't bother me as much? Yeah. And I really love that because what comes to mind are a couple of things. Like one is um I had a very early experience of just your example with the the guy who just owned it, right? Like Sunshine. Sunshine. Shout out, shout out Sunshine. <laughs> Putting them in the thumbnail. So, um, like in sixth grade, my brother was um, a skater and so were his friends, right? Okay. And I really desperately wanted to skate, but I was so shy and like, I'm a girl and I just, so I was really nervous about it. And the guy that my brother hung out with was, was he was just like, because actually the kids would call him a freak. And he was like, we're freaks. Yeah. Like he just owned the freak title. That's awesome. And I was so amazed. And I mean, at that point, that's when I started skating because I was just like, I love it. Like he's he's like powerful. Like Mm -hmm. that is so who I want to be. And as I've learned, one of the reasons why I'm kind of forcing myself to do this stuff where I get in front of people and talk is because I'm learning that the more you're yourself, people like feel comfortable to be themselves too. Yes. hundred percent. And it's like, it's an inspiration. Like, um, I don't know if you were listening to that one podcast where I said, as a child, I was so shy. I didn't talk like to the point where they put me in the corner and time out in, um, like elementary school. Mm-hmm. And that's bothered me a lot. Clearly, you know, like people getting mad at you. Cause I just would stare at them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've had to work to overcome my whole life. And so I guess part of this journey of my life is that is like owning who you are, saying what you say, let it be ugly, let it be flawed. Because even when I skateboard, I go out there and I would like try to do this one trick. Like um, it's called like a tail slide. And I would like miss the curb. Like you have to kind of like. I think I know what that is. So, yeah. So I would miss the curb like 50 tries in a row. And it was so embarrassing. But eventually I was able to plant it. I can't really slide it very good. (laughs) (laughs) But I can plant it now. It's not missing it like I used to. Yeah, it made some progress. And and so like that made me feel really good. And you can see that people were like, wow, you know, she went out there. She looked stupid. And like, oh, my gosh, like I kind of want to be like that. <laughs> I now want to be stupid, too. No, 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 no I get what you're saying. Yeah, I want to make it ugly and flawed. I wouldn't be hurt if me. I messed up. That's what it is, is you inspire <laughs> others to kind of like be like to take risks. Because that's the biggest thing when people don't want to take risks is because they're scared of the outcome, right? Because the outcome might be scary. And we can, we, there's tons of proof that outcomes can be scary. It's all over YouTube. It's all over Facebook, Snapchat. <laughs> it's so much you worse can, now. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a world star. You know what I mean? We see, we know people crash and things go badly. But there's way more times where it works out. And people don't ever spend time thinking of that. They usually spend most of their time figuring out how it could go wrong, which I think is also important. I think you should know how it could go wrong. But like, give yourself a limit. Can you do like an hour of like freaking out about the bad and then switch to some of the good ones? Because there's tons of good ones. But once you do it, you kind of, and then like you were saying, once you see other people doing it and failing sometimes, right? And I'm not encouraging people to fail at stuff, but when you see someone fail at something, it's like, oh, I can now do it because either I succeed or if I fail, at least I'm not alone. That person right. failed too. <laughs> and then it kind of like makes things work out a bit, huh? Yeah, it's it's really actually a great way. And I love how you were talking about, in a way, like focus on the good. Because mm-hmm. like, that's one thing that keeps people limited is when you're just focused on all the fearful. Mm-hmm. But when you're like, what good can come out of that? And yeah. even really horrible situations like the food allergies, food sensitivities, or I couldn't eat. 
all the delicious food, there was so much good that came out of it. Like I'm healthier than I've ever been. I had so much more energy. Um, I actually dropped the inflammation. Like, like mm-hmm. I like my shape of my body better <laughs> because of the way the foods that were making me not feel good gave me a different shape, you know? And so it's just, there's so much positive. I love learning about new foods and mm-hmm. the fact that my, my food intake is diversified now, which is one of the things you want to do. Like people develop food sensitivities because they're not diversifying their food. Like if you're eating the same things over mm-hmm. and over again, it's very likely that you might have a sensitivity. And I think we were talking about that earlier is the reason why I truly believe I developed these sensitivities is because I was always eating in this stress state. So like my stomach was like this, your digestive system shuts off when you actually um, are in a stress state. So mm-hmm. you, you'll be cramming food down, but your digestive system isn't working at that time. Because one of our survival modes is to, um, like when we're under stress, we like our digestive system shuts down and then the blood goes to all the places for like, as if you were running away from like a lion or something like yeah, it goes to sense. the places where you need, need it. Your brain is telling it to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And so my stomach, I could always feel it was like so upset. And I, I've, as I've become more aware, like there's times where I was leaving El Paso when I was working and I had eaten maybe an hour before and I didn't realize how stressed out I was until like, um, like I'd be driving home and I'd start singing and I was super mm-hmm. relaxed. And then I could feel the food like going down. Really? Wow. So weird. It was like, it just sat there in this like, like oh, now I can relax. A yeah. Little bit. And they imagine how much I get stressed out. And then it's just like really irritates my system. That's interesting. I never, I, I don't think I've ever felt anything like that, but that's interesting. Cause it makes sense when you're stressed out, naturally your stomach would, would shrink. Right. Um, that's it. So why do you think people stress eat then? Like what, it, what it, do you know? Like scientifically what's going on in the brain that's telling you to eat when your stomach is obviously not trying to do that. I don't think it's, I mean, I don't know scientifically, but I know that we're looking for pleasure in that moment mm-hmm. and the fastest, and I can't say the fastest, but one of the fast ways to get pleasure is your, your taste. And so sometimes when I run this cleanse, like we were talking about is, um, I try to focus on your other senses because you can, there's so many visually stimulating things that are pleasurable for you. There's mm-hmm. so many beautiful sounds like music that's super pleasurable, but we kind of go to this this taste bud pleasure, you know, it's an immediate pleasure. And obviously too, there's the whole endorphins, um, like with chocolate. I'm sure you've heard, like when you have a piece of chocolate, it does make you feel better. Yeah. There is a temporary feeling like Like a dopamine release, right? Yes. That's pretty. And so, yeah, that's, that made me feel great. Like (laughs) (laughs) then I felt crummy and then I was like putting myself kind of in this sugar crash because it's like you you kind of get up on a high and mm. then you're like oh my gosh i need more sugar or i would want something salty <laughs> yeah i'm a salts person i'm way more salt when i mess up it's usually salts and not sugar well potato chips was one of my weaknesses there you go I you nailed it uh, flaming hot anything yeah like, okay yes i'm I'm so bad <laughs> i could have a stomach ache and a fever and still eat them and i'm i'm, I'm, I'm totally ruining my stomach right now i do it anyway so i don't know why it's, it's hard, but it's like that focus on that, like that yeah. pleasure. Like, and a lot of the times, like when I was reaching for food, I was avoiding something. I didn't want to, most of it was, I was scared. Like I was, I didn't know what to do and I was doubting myself. And so I'd give myself a little bit of time mm-hmm. by eating. 
That makes sense. I wonder if it's the same for most people. Cause I, so whenever you're working with a client, is that one, of, I'm assuming that's one of the first things you figure out, right? It's like, mm-hmm. what are you eating and when, what, what would yeah. be the top things you're trying to figure out? Um, I, I guess where we start is, well, we start with what gives them energy, what doesn't. So they sort of really tune into their body. Like mm-hmm. you can tell like which foods are like hurting you. Um, that's just one of the places to start because you're right. A lot of times we know it hurts us and we don't stop. We still don't mm-hmm. stop. Right. But it's actually good to figure out what, when you reach for that food, what was the trigger? Cause when COVID hit, um, I found myself filling my, um, shopping cart with ice cream. Like I had three, for most of the world feels the same bread, way. Like yeah. I had like three cartons of Briars is at an ice cream, high. different cones. I mean, I literally bought like five different types of ice cream. <laughs> and so I'm walking around the store. Like I told you, that's my trigger, right? Like that's my message. All of a sudden I'm like, man, you're really struggling here. I didn't realize COVID was having this impact, but your, your shopping cart is full of ice cream. And I'm like, all right, you can buy it. That's fine. And I would actually say in the first few days, I was eating like three of those ice cream cones a day. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, you've had your little thing. <laughs> we need to focus on what's happening. Yeah. Like what's happening now? Cause there's something happening here. Yeah. And I had to get myself out of that fearful state. And because you're not in your power, if you're a scared, you're more in your power. If you're like, you're just going to face this, you know, be curious about what it's to bring. Cause mm-hmm. it might bring, I mean, what COVID brought for me, was a chance to slow down. That was one of the benefits. And I think a lot of people got that, but there was so much fear in the beginning too, that I was avoiding kind of just being in a more powerful sense. I was more in a fearful, like overthinking, like, can I go see my parents? Oh my gosh, should I be traveling to El Paso? Like the mm-hmm. mind was just going. Yeah. The stress <laughs> level for this, <laughs> this and last year must've been at an all time high. I think we'll look back one day, the way we look back at certain eras and we're like, Oh, this was the era of this. I think years from now, because working in the mental health field, I, I think COVID itself, the restrictions and the way we feel in life probably will get better, but the residual mental effects are, are not even going to really rear their heads until 10 years from now plus, and we're going to start seeing the impacts that it had on the kids in that generation, our generation, and it's, uh, I think it's going to be pretty bad, and I think we'll look back at this decade, or decade, Jesus Christ, what do you call it, a year? <laughs> COVID wasn't a decade. <laughs> Wish there was some cool name for what's a year? What would a year be? Just a year, huh? There's no cool name for it. I don't know of any cool name. I guess it's just. I feel like we just need to come up with a cool name for a year, other than a year. Yeah. But this last year, we'll look at it and be like, we'll look at it and refer to it as like some era, and then, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I really think it's going to be that way. I think you're right with all the stress going on. It's like you feel like why not a lot when it comes to food. Like, well, why not? Like, we're all locked up. I don't know what's going to happen. I can rarely go. I can only go to the store if I wait in line for an hour at one point. So I might as well get everything I might need. (laughs) Let me double down on all these like snacks. That's what it was. And they're there. You eat them at the same rate you would if you hadn't doubled down. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, you're going back. And so it creates these bad habits. And I think uh, this is should be booming this next year of people that are getting out of this funk. Right. Uh, So it's going to look really well for you. I think people that are saying, hey, you know what? I do want to make a change and I do want to switch up this or people that did have a really good routine and kind of lost it a bit are going to want to regain that. The routine has been an issue with so many people Mm -hmm. and even myself. Like one of the things I loved about going into an office um, was that I always had my meals. I I prep my meals. I put them in these little containers. Mm -hmm. And when you go to work, it's actually more stressful for me 
or more work to figure out where I'm going to eat, you know, like to cheat or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my food's just in the fridge. I easily grab that. It, that is true when it's right there, huh? Yeah, it's, like, it's all like ready. Like, yeah. you know, five days out of the week, you're going to do great. <laughs> Meal prepping is amazing once it's done because you're absolutely right. The hard part is doing it. Cause I did it for a while and I got burnt out. I think I would meal prep on Sundays for the <laughs> whole week. Uh, and I did really good for like three weeks and I'm like, screw this. Like, it, so unless I had a team do it for me, like I don't, that's the hard part. Ooh, that's what I wanted. So when I was in like my food sensitivity issues, like, you know, you're working full time. Mm-hmm. I'd like to play tennis, like all the time. Like I cram my schedule with stuff. And so having to set like three hours aside to cook was the worst. And I had to work through the kinks of how to do meal prepping so it was more efficient for me. And um, that's something I help clients with too. But I always would say, I just wish I could pay like a cook. Like I have my own like mm. personal chef, which would be nice. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> they know what I can eat. They know what I can't eat. And they make it all delicious. <laughs> yeah, that'd be perfect. That's like the perfect world. People always trying to figure out how the rock's so jacked. He's like, has like four dudes follow him around. I saw this documentary <laughs> thing. Where he was like, not even just his meals. He has his own chefs, by the way, that just follow him around. But he has his own gym, like a portable gym. And he takes oh, it wow. everywhere. He has a team. If he's going to film a commercial in Dubai, they'll take his gym to Dubai. Wherever he goes, they go, they, they set it up like in whatever room. And he has his full-blown gym. Hmm. And I thought like, wow, like that's how he stays in shape. Because he has people that are taking care of most of the stuff for him. And he doesn't have to worry about the inconvenience of travel and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's not, it's, it's probably, he has all this accountability too. Because it's not like you can be like well i mean you guys came all this way let's not you know like, yeah yeah it's already true. kind of all set and you already kind of have a schedule like he already knows when he's gonna do whatever he's gonna do he sets himself up for success yes that guy's very aware of where his money's coming from you know to keep that up um i mean he might that guy might be juiced up i shouldn't be giving him too much credit people listening like you know that right. guy's on steroids right <laughs> no he has a meal prepper and a, a special gym <laughs> I refuse to believe that the rock does steroids. My childhood dreams will be destroyed. Um, the food thing. I had a food question for you and I totally forgot it. What, so what is your stance on fasting? Do you like it? Do you hate it? What do, what do you think about fasting? Um, there's always mixed reviews. Like I don't disagree with fasting. Mm-hmm. I actually, um, I think it's fine. Like it depends on how much fasting, like, you know, if somebody kind of fasts for like eight hours or it's, mm-hmm. it's like that. I understand. Now I have some people who I know who do cleanses that are like, they'll go like 10 days and they'll do it on lemonade and cayenne pepper. And I can't do that. And I don't recommend it. That's a lot. I've seen some fast where you're right. It was like liquid only for a week or something. Just, and I'm I like, can't do that. Like, no, it's food. I eat food on my cleanse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think it's important to get certain nutrients that you can only, unless you're supplementing, I can see that. If you're doing like a very specific regimen and supplement plan and then also doing juice, like a juice cleansing, I could maybe see that working, but there, you're, there, there's so many levels, unless you're seeing a doctor every day, you wouldn't even know what you're low in. Right. Um, yeah. And then what, I mean, I just like, how do they function on a day-to-day basis? Like during that time, you know, you can't exercise, you're not going to have the energy. And if you do, you're probably actually going to be hurting yourself more than helping yourself. Yeah. Um, so and to me, I, I just don't understand it. And I do get hangry, you know, like I can go maybe 10 hours or, you know, like a stretch of time without eating and I don't have a problem. I feel like it does have some decent um, impact. But um, when it when it's extreme, I think that's where I'm like a little, 
I'm not really sure how healthy that is. The most extreme I ever got, because eight is easy. That's a sleep, right? Right. It's eight hours. Um, and then I would do 10, 12. I actually got up to 16 hours at one point. Um, and I would do it pretty consistently, but I would only, the, the reason why it worked, I did for like a year for 16 hour fast, but I only did it Monday through Friday. I didn't fast on the weekends because I wanted, I didn't want my body to get used to that. I wanted to mm-hmm. kind of confuse it a little bit. Um, and there was some being honest about it. There was a lot of good stuff and some things about it that I didn't like at all. Um, but the good thing about it is I, if I knew like I stopped eating like 10 o'clock at night and I wouldn't have my first meal until like four the next day or five or something. And, but the good thing is I knew that I wasn't going to eat till then. So I wasn't even thinking about food because I'd already committed to that time frame. So I woke up, I went, I drink a lot of water, obviously uh, I would do pink Himalayan salt. Just that way to get cramps uh, and get some vitamins in that. Um, and then that would get me all the way to four or five whenever I decided to eat. Um, and then I would eat pretty like a large portion, but I tried to keep it pretty healthy. And then I would have one more meal, like around eight and then just cut it off again at 10. Um, and then on the weekends, I kind of, because my calories were so low throughout the week, I could kind of open up my diet a little bit more on the weekends and still be under my calories for the entire week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked out well for me for a while. The bad parts of it were the energy part when you're not eating, like in the morning, I'm fine with that because uh, the breakfast crash thing I told you about, mm-hmm. which you're telling me not everything crashes you. So maybe I was messing something <laughs> up with my breakfast. But that was the good thing for me is I didn't crash in the mornings, but I did start low energy, like around 12 or one o'clock that one to five or one to four or 12 to whatever it was, was kind of hard. Like if someone asked me to like go running, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, no, man, like maybe at six, like right after my meal. (laughs) And that was the bad part. And then I haven't been doing it for the last year, COVID stuff and and, uh, just life. But um, I liked it. I liked it while I was doing it. I, I wouldn't recommend it to someone. I definitely wouldn't recommend 16 hours because and you would know this better than me, it could probably easily become an eating disorder Mm -hmm. uh, because you have to kind of be aware, like, is, is this planned? Like, what is this? I can see it easily becoming like, let's just stretch it even further. And then all of a sudden you're just not eating or like making yourself throw up or whatever else that comes with that. And, uh, and, and that never happened for me, but I can easily see that happening for someone. I can see that too. And I can almost see that with, um, like when I had to cut all those foods out, and I, I dropped all this weight that um, confused me because it was like I was always used to being a certain size and I was even skinnier. And then when I was able to introduce some of the foods back in, mm-hmm. I um, gained my weight back. And so I it was really confusing because it's just like I look different and then I, I look different again. And then I'm not really sure. Like so body image, I feel like in that period of time affected me. So okay. I can see where somebody is. If they're already focusing on that, and like you said, like then they they kind of like that was easy. I can do it. It's mm-hmm. it is something that can lead to that because I've had to really work on that part of it. Is like because um, there's times where it's like, man, I wish I was as low as I was, and I'm like, no, but you actually really like this size. Like this is the size you always liked. This is the size you always were. But it's kind of it just confused me. Like so, I mm-hmm. can see where it has affected my body image in a way because you'll gain just like a couple pounds and you're like, oh man, I'm big again. And you're like, no, you're not. The feeling is always way more than like what actually happens in my own experience. And it both ways with me, like where I think I'm doing well and I'm not. And then vice versa where I'm like, yeah, I'm killing it. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) And so it's like the feeling is what is real though. Right. The feeling of Mm. 
like, oh, I've gained two or three pounds or I've lost two or three pounds too much than I wanted to lose. The feeling, you, especially if you're really in tune with your body, that can really mess with you a little bit where you're like, you feel, even though like a stranger may not even know at all, if you right. didn't lose any weight or gain any, if you stay exactly the same, like three or four or five pound fluctuation, maybe someone doesn't even pick up on that. But it's weird how it kind of affects you, yeah. the person, right? You kind of know. You just notice everything. And one of the things that I'd like to do in those scenarios is get a little more information. That's mm-hmm. when I will like put my food, like my calories into an app or whatever and see how much I'm taking in. Mm-hmm. Just give myself clarity. Like there are times when I'm like, look, you know, you're, you're, oh yeah, maybe I am eating a little more, you know, mm-hmm. then, I'll, then I'll know that maybe I should cut, cut down on what I'm eating or I'll like kind of look at it and be like, you didn't even get your calories in for the day. Like, why are you being so hard on yourself? So it just gives me a little bit more information to help me gauge. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I don't particularly like, though, is the scale. I agree. You I want to see if your feeling, reason is the same as mine. Let's hear it. Well, to me, it's like you could be feeling great. You're like looking in the mirror. And the for scale s- will totally lie to you. Well, you get on the scale thinking you're going to get extra validation. And why do you need that extra validation? You're feeling great, right? Yeah. So you step on the scale. It's higher than you like. And you're like, really, now you're all sad. Like, so you, you came from this like high of feeling good. To this low of feeling, you know, like mad at yourself. Why am I even doing this? Yeah, like you have all these different thoughts. And so to me, I have really worked. And this is something that I did while I was working in um, as a director of operations is you're so focused on your numbers. Mm -hmm. So numeric goals, they stress me out. Because if you're so focused on that and you don't get it, then you are like derailed. Like you're kind of like now what do I do now I have to explain why we didn't hit our revenue now I have to go on a diet because I'm not my size like that Mm -hmm. stuff messes with me so you have to go to your purpose like go to your like my mission as a director of operations wasn't to hit revenue like who cares I was building a team it was about these people and when I was worried about the numbers I'm snapping at them right because like yeah, we're we're struggling and get get back to work. <laughs> like you find it yourself. Comes out. Yeah, the employees feel it for sure. Yeah. So you're being the person you don't want to be because mm-hmm. you're focused on this number. And that's what I find with the like the scale is I'm focused on this number and I'm no longer in a happy state that I was in. Mm-hmm. I'm now defeated and now kind of strategizing for what I need to be doing, which is a really dangerous mindset. What about measurements? Wouldn't that be better? I, I've always thought that. I don't know. You can tell me. Wouldn't it be smarter to measure your arms, your waist, your hips? Because mm-hmm. I find that exactly what you said. That's exactly why I don't like scales. Because I know I feel better. I, you know what I mean? And I know I can feel it. Like literally one time, I know for a fact I lost weight because my belt was a different size. You're, you know how your clothes fit you. Yeah. And I knew. Mm-hmm. I knew that I had it. And I jumped on the scale. Not only did I not lose any weight, I gained like four pounds and I was so mad. And I was like, God, I, at one point I, I even got a new scale. Cause I thought <laughs> I, was, I agree though. I've I been threw there. that scale away. I blamed the scale. I was like, this scale's stupid. And I threw it away and I got a new scale. And of course it was the same. Uh, I even did the thing where I'm like, it's because it's the wheel. I need the digital. Right. Like you just make some stupid reason. Oh, I forgot to take my shoes off. That's what it was. And so like, I was so mad. I got a new one. It was the same thing. <laughs> And then I remember like being like, there's no way like, but what it is, is your, I mean, muscle weighs more than yeah. fat. And then you change, it'd be really important to figure out where did I gain the weight as opposed to, is it suck that I gave? Maybe you gain in a place where that's good. Maybe mm-hmm. you have, if you're a guy, maybe you wanted wider shoulders. Maybe you got it there. Maybe you got it in your back, your neck, wherever you're trying to get them, your calves. Every guy wants big calves. Maybe that's where all that fat went. I don't know. But I'm just saying, wouldn't it make more sense to measure because 
I didn't, but going off my belt thing that I told you about, that shows me that I did lose some waist size, but I was lifting heavy and therefore I probably gained some muscle and that was the difference, right? Yeah. Um, is that, am I overthinking this? Wouldn't well, it make more sense to measure? So I have a friend and I, it's, she lives in like, I don't even recall, but she's not in New Mexico. She in Atlantis. And you can't talk about it. <laughs> I don't recall the state. Oh, so I don't okay. want to misstate it. Um, but there's a gym that she goes to. She actually works at this gym and they okay. do DEXA scans. The DEXA scan tells you how much like percent. Like your exact body fat percentage, yes, right? And it is so cool because she did one like a year before and then she did one the next year. And mm -hmm. like, although the weight stayed the same or even went up, her percentage of fat versus muscle was better. And so she was like, I'm like 4% better. Like how That's awesome that victory is that? feeling, huh? Yeah. So I Where think you're on there. Maybe, hers is at a gym. So maybe some gyms operate and we just don't know. I wonder if there's like a, the Nutra shop or GNC or something. I, think, yeah. I wonder if one of those have them. Is like, it expensive? I have no idea. Um, but I would love to get that kind of information. Yeah. Because you're right. Like I am sure, like I look at my body. I mean, I look at my arms and they're not super toned, but they're way better than they were. And I'm just like. And you get on the scale and you know, you're like skinnier, like, cause I felt that way too. And I'm like, I can't like tell people that they're like, it's lying to me, you know, like you're saying, but yeah. I know I look better. Like, and it's telling me I'm heavier and I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I will lie to you. I hate, I hate the scale. I would, if I was a, a coach, I would tell everyone to throw their scales away. I don't recommend it. I mean, it, I have some clients that want it. And so, you know, kind of let them use it as long as they need it. But when they hit that moment of despair, then we work through that. Do you prep them and let them know like, hey, you're, this is going to happen. I this do. is why. This I, is how you do with it. I tell okay. my little story of like when I get on the scale and like, because well, we now are you ultimate can tell goal. Mine. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I straight up threw a scale away. But you think about your ultimate goal, anything you do in life, right? It's for that feeling. Mm -hmm. That feeling you were experiencing before you stepped on the scale. And then you go on the scale and then you go back down to the feeling that you were trying to get away from in the first place. You're onto something there. Cause that feeling feels so good. <laughs> it does. I, I like, I know I've been thinking about this recently. Like you could look the same, maybe different. I don't know. Have you ever been out and someone gives you a compliment and you just feel that compliment and maybe they're just being nice. Cause they met you. Maybe they actually feel it, but either way, it's just one person. But for the rest of the night, you kind of wear that on your, like that confidence mm -hmm. on you. And that night is just awesome. And so like, there's something about that. Like, what is that? Like, it's the dopamine, I bet when you, cause I'm sure your brain releases some cool chemicals when you get complimented that bring you happy and joy, which allows you to kind of unconsciously be a better part of the, what's going, the festivities. Right. But there's something to that. And someone as stubborn as me, I, I don't mind admitting that I've been places and there's something about that good feeling. Like when you hit a goal or your shirt fits you better, or uh, I don't know if women feel the same way, but I know for a fact, men, when they get haircuts, it's like the thing. Like if you get a haircut and I don't have any hair, so I don't care, but like mm -hmm. I did at one point and I know that feeling, is it the same with women? And then you kind mm -hmm. of feel good going out. Like, like you feel fresh. You feel like all oh, they, in reality, oh, yeah. you don't look that different. I mean, you do, <laughs> but it's not that much like, but you feel a whole different and then it changes your whole night. And if you're like, you're with, with guys, it's like, if you're wearing a fresh new shirt, and you got these new sneakers and maybe the watch. Yeah. And you just got the haircut and then like you're ready to go. Like that's going to be a good night. But if it's like the old shirt because you didn't do laundry that <laughs> week, you know what I mean? You do your barber was closed because of COVID and, and whatever. And then you can't find your watch and then mm -hmm. you go out and you're like, you feel differently. Even though in reality, people probably don't know those things. They don't look. Have you ever looked at someone and been like, where is that dude's watch? 
Like that's not a real no, thing, right? No, you don't look that closely. But the guy feels it. Like, where's my watch? They know. Everyone here knows <laughs> that my barber wasn't open, and I forgot my watch. Uh, it, but it's the mental part of it, right? Is that what was that what I'm catching on to? Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting is that when I don't know if you've ever looked into manifestation or law of attraction. So yes, and I have my own issues with it, but my fiance is huge into this, so I'm, I have a very oh, good awesome. relationship with the idea. But I just have my own well, issues with the it. idea is a, is a lot of it is centered around a feeling. Yeah. Like 100%. if you can get yourself to that feeling of already kind of having it or being there, then you're already a step closer to it. And so in a way, when you were talking about that, it kind of it's like, yeah, like you're going to have a great night because you're already put yourself in this energy. And sometimes mm-hmm. a haircut is an energy shift, right? You just just cut off all this excess maybe dead energy already yeah you changed like your look and um it really it kind of like it really does open people up like i used to love watching that show what was it called where they would just they would dress up somebody who was kind of in a rut with their clothes oh, are they gonna like extreme makeover something like that yeah, yeah. and because i used to wear big baggy pants I used to make my big baggy pants i would wear those all the time and i remember when i started feeling bad about myself i switched to wearing more girly clothes mm-hmm. And that I did it on my own, but you watch these shows and they kind of do that shift to them, right? Because mm-hmm. they, it's almost like they never knew they could look that good, so they resigned to kind of hide. Or in my case, you know, I was hiding in in baggy clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there's hundred percent some truth to that. I, I maybe it was the era, but I was like a tall T guy in high school. Like I was one of those guys, but I played sports, and it wasn't just me. Everyone was wearing that stuff, and the the style was more baggier back then. But I do remember I had a roommate that wore tighter clothes and he, it, this was like the era where it was going away. People were mm-hmm. wearing, but I like, didn't let want to let it go. Right. <laughs> Same. So I was still wearing some baggy <laughs> stuff. And, uh, I, I'll never forget it. Like what he was telling me, like, you should switch it up, man. Like you can borrow some of my clothes. And I was like, I don't know, man, like people are going to know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wore for the first time, like a fitted shirt as opposed to a really baggy one. And I was 18, 19 years old. So it was really skinny still. So a fitted shirt was like a really small shirt. <laughs> I didn't go to the gym at all. And I was just like this. My metabolism was off the charts. Um, So I wore like a fitted shirt. um, And then like, I think he even gave me like a necklace that was way too tight on my neck. But like, he essentially dressed me up like that show. He gave me like his shoes. Shout out Raymond. He'll know the story. He uh, essentially, that's what happened. He just, he gave me all this stuff. And then um, I even put a coat on a really baggy one because I felt weird. I was wearing this. And then, so we go to the party and I'm wearing like tighter bottoms, but like this really baggy coat because I'm like nervous about my new shirt that no people. And uh, he tells my brother and like, yeah, I got him to wear. He's like, well, I take the coat off. It was such a like a vulnerable moment where I didn't want to do it. But then I didn't want to be the weird guy holding his coat. They're like, what's wrong with him? So I took it off. And then like it was just like this weird, like I got a new haircut feeling where everyone kind of knows. Um, but the reality of it is like two people there knew me. So they maybe thought it was different, but everyone else like didn't care or related to me better. What Maybe there's some other stuff, but it was like a deal for like 10 minutes. Like it's so weird, but it looks good, man. You look cool. And then the night went on like ever since then, I just stopped wearing baggy clothes. But that feeling is so like real where you're like, oh, everyone's going to know it's hard. It's difficult. It's but then I started feeling good with it. And then you kind of just move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you put yourself in that. Like that energy, like you allowed yourself kind of the scary energy. And then you were like, kind of like, but it helped that he was like, first of all, he dressed me. So he wasn't going to make fun of me. He wasn't going to be like that. So I had for sure one compliment coming my way. As soon as I took the coat off, I knew it. (laughs) 
So it helped for him to be like, ah, man, I told you, see, like he was kind of like, see, no one cares. Your brother liked it, whatever. Like you look good. Like enjoy the night. So that does, it's weird how that helps. Right. Like, and I'm not someone who prides myself on needing compliments, but I enjoy them. I really Mm -hmm. like them. They definitely are a good kickstart. (laughs) When I was, uh, I used to live with my friend Lloyd uh, and Hector where we all lived together. Oh, and Stefan, um, they, uh, they didn't want to make a Kool-Aid. That was like the thing in our, our, uh, our little apartment. Um, and he, they figured out that uh, I didn't want to make the Kool-Aid or that no one wanted to make the Kool-Aid. So they started telling me how good my Kool-Aid was, Ugh. but it wasn't like, it, they just didn't want to make it. It's like, God, this is like, I think Will makes the best Kool-Aid. And the other like, <laughs> I think so too. It's hard to argue that, man. And I was like, yeah, like that feeling of like, yeah. So I was like, I got this. And I would always make the Kool-Aid and it was, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like wonderful. And um, <laughs> like one day they're like, yeah, man, we just don't want to make the Kool-Aid. <laughs> you make like regular Kool-Aid pretty straight up. Do you think you made like a special Kool-Aid or something? And I was like, but it was that feeling of like, yeah, I make the, so then I took pride in it. And I was like, when people come over, I'm like, dude, I make the best, ask them, ask, guys, tell them. And they're like, yeah, we'll make the best Kool-Aid. But they're playing me. They just didn't want to make it. But it's that feeling, right? Where yeah. it's like, it's like, it, it really gives you the, the oomph when someone compliments you or tells you you're doing well at something. Um, so I don't want to be one of those people that is just like, don't care what other people say, because I think we all care in some way. Um, there's gotta be like a healthy level of care, right? Like I care enough that I want you to say nice things to me, but it's not going to ruin my day. It's not going to take me away from my goals and, and I'll figure another way to get that same satisfaction somewhere else. Another person, a TV show, a song, music is really powerful. Something like that. Um, that that's my theory on it is just figuring out if this person, if there's a person in your life that's negative or the hater, we all have a couple of those in our mm-hmm. friend groups. You can't like, don't go around them when you're trying something new because they will destroy <laughs> it for you. You know what I mean? Like it had, I go, I have oh, one yeah. friend that's like that. Had I gone to him with that tight shirt, he would have made fun of me and I would have been like, stupid. I knew it. And I would have put my coat back on and I'm like, I need to go. It would have been a wrap on the night. So, you know, because you almost make a couple of good points with that is like, one of the things we do is we find evidence for what we believe. Mm-hmm. So if we believe that this tight shirt isn't going to look good, you would have gone. I mean, you had this guy already like in your corner, mm-hmm. but you would have gone to the negative guy and gotten that feedback and been able to say like, hey, it, I tried it didn't work. Mm-hmm. I can stick with my my baggy shirt. <laughs> yeah. And so. um that's one of the things that's just interesting is once you can like, cause you were like, you're like, well, I have to find it somewhere else. If you can actually learn how to do that, that's really cool because, um, or you learn if you really want to wear the skinny shirt, you learn how to look for evidence of everybody going to tell you that you look great. Like you're like, okay, you know, like that guy, that guy's like smiling at me or girl. Cause you know, you're, you know, you're a guy. <laughs> hey, those guys so, be smiling too. I appreciate it. That guy smiling at me. You know, that, that's because of my tight shirt. Like you just look for all the evidence and then it's like you have that kind of inner validation. Yeah. Another thing that I really has been powerful in my growth and most of my clients, because we're always looking at the negative, right? You're like the one thing I did wrong. So you come to this session and you're like, I did a, such a bad job this week. I had that one piece of chocolate and you're mm-hmm. kind of like, let's, let, let's back up here. What did you do well this week? And they really struggle. They're like, I had that one piece of chocolate and they can't really focus on that. But if you ever make a list, cause I'm, I'm one of those people who focus on the one bad thing I did. And so I started making a list, like all the good things I did. And there would be so many. And then I'd have the one bad incident or whatever. And I'm like, like, 
look at your distorted view here, like mm-hmm. you're you're focusing on one when you did so many good things. And yeah. so that's another way to kind of get that validation for yourself is start recognizing where you are doing well. I think you might need a friend for that first list. Cause I feel like you it's going to be you the need- first time. Like I can see, I know I would maybe not so much anymore, but I can see someone. If you ask me, make a list of the good things. I'd be like, I don't know. Like I like made a pop tart quickly. Like I would <laughs> just like, I'd struggle. And then I think I would need a friend or you or someone to say like, did you do that? Okay. So that's good. You woke yeah. up on time for work. That's one. And then it kind of yeah. gets going. And I'm great at that. I'm really great. That's actually something that's really easy for me is because you'll, your clients are telling like everything to you. Like, yeah, did you do yeah. this? Did you do this? And they did everything that they set out to do. And you're like, all right, so let's, let's back up here. Earlier you said you only, you didn't do anything right, but can we just celebrate for a moment of all the things you accomplished and did yeah. well? And like, it's so eye opening to people. Cause they're like, I didn't recognize that I was doing so well. <laughs> yeah. I actually achieved all the goals I set out, but I made the one little chocolate mistake or whatever the mistake was. So that for some reason erases all the good I did. Yeah. It's, it's more impactful when it's bad. I don't know why, but it's like uh, it, it, the one bad will stand out. And I know this from YouTube or like doing stuff like this. Like there'll be, there was one, and I think I've talked about this before. But there was one, uh, someone wrote a, a comment. There's tons of good ones. They're all wonderful. <laughs> like one person wrote worthless. That's all they wrote. Like that's just what they wrote. <laughs> <laughs> they commented worthless. And at first it was kind of funny. I'm like, what? And then after a while, I'm like, what do you, what do you mean worthless? Like, <laughs> like no worth at all? Like I said, and then I spent like a whole day. I'm like, worthless. <laughs> and it just like messed with me a bit. And then I thought, how dumb am I? There was like a million other good things going on with that. <laughs> But this one person, and then I'm like, oh, I got to stop giving this person all the shine because there was tons of other people that loved it, enjoyed it, including me until I read that. Why am I going to let this person change me? But I I am guilty of it. Like for whatever reason, the worthless stood out way more than the thanks for telling me this story. I love your channel. You're one of my favorites. I looked past all those and I saw worthless (laughs) and that one kind of shined. And so you're right. That's probably where a health coach is amazing, right? Mm -hmm. It's where it's like, take a step back. And let's find some small successes in here. Yeah, because you want like it's amazing how just like a one percent change can change your life. Mm-hmm. Like like just say back in the day, you, you probably didn't drink water the way you do now. Right. You probably drink no. a lot of sugary drinks. When I was younger, I did for sure. And so then when you like switch to water, what kind of impact did that have on your life? Yeah, 100% better because I what it was is I saw some news story. I'm like one of those weirdos. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, you know, those shocking facts. It was a news story. And like, it was like a Bill Nye guy, like not literally Bill Nye, but like a scientist doctory person. And they were like 80% of the population walks around in a dehydrated state at all times. And that may not be the exact one, but it's an absurdly high number. And I was like, what? Like, that can't be real. And then so I Googled it and then I looked at a few different ones. I'm like, that's 100% real. Granted, different levels of dehydration, but it's pretty rare that someone is hydrated. And so then I started thinking, not only am I not drinking enough water, I am drinking things like alcohol that dehydrate me. Yes. And so it's like, wait a minute. And then so I I don't drink sodas at all now. Uh, Randomly, like I have like, but it's not. And I, I eat ice cream. I'm not saying that I'm perfect when it comes to the the drinks that I put in my body, but I don't even crave soda anymore. It's almost like I I started thinking like every time I go to a restaurant, get a soda, I also get a water. Like that's for a reason. It's because the soda is draining me a little bit. I think I want it, but I don't really. 
Um, but yeah, that's it's uh, and so I started drinking water more naturally to the point now where I prefer water like over oh, anything me else. Too. Yeah. And but I mean, even if you go back to the school age, I don't think you're even allowed to like drink like I me. Mean, I don't like, OK, go to the, Definitely not the cool, fountain. Huh? You, I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like. You you go to the drinking fountain, but how much water are you getting in the day? Three seconds. Do you remember that? One, two, three, go. Do they ever do that? I wonder if they still do that. One, two, three, next. What? They literally restricted Uh, us to three seconds. Exactly right. And then if you if you have lunch or whatever, you'll have your like little milk carton or whatever, and that's what eight ounces. Mm -hmm. Um. So how much? I mean, and then I think about even in high school, like I think there were vending machines, but did I have like a soda for the entire day long? Because mm-hmm. that's not even no, multiple. I think I only had one. Really? Yes. Oh, and I so I'm like, uh, but you're also a bigger person. Well, I wasn't <laughs> when I was younger. Oh, yeah. I, I also like, I told you, like, I don't like to have to pee every, you know, like when you're in the class or whatever. And you're like, that is the downfall of liking water, by the way, <laughs> is you definitely pee a lot more. Because um, you can't, yeah, it's just. You, but that's like a 1% change. I mean, maybe it's a bigger percent, but it feels like a 1% because it's not that hard to start increasing your water. So what would you suggest to someone that is, I know a lot of people that only drink sodas and I, it, I forget because I don't drink them. I've gone over to people's houses and I'm like, I've seen them crack like two or three since I was there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they must've had a bunch of before I even got here. And then you look over to their trash and you see stacks of cola, 12 packs. So what would you, what would, what would you tell someone that came to you? How do you get someone to slowly move towards water like, would you say, like, drink two less sodas a day? Like, what, what is even the method there? Well, I think first I'd want to know what, because it's like you want to get them onto water and you're like, well, what, what is it? Does water not taste good? You know, like, what is the, the thing about water? And so if it's like a taste thing, then I would probably, because like one of the things I do in the morning is I'll drink three glasses of water right away. Okay. And that helps. Like, I'm already, you know, halfway towards my goal of mm-hmm. getting all the water I need for the day. Um, and it gives me more energy that I don't even need coffee half the time because I just feel really good. Sometimes I'll even go for a walk and then I'm ready for like a good smoothie or protein shake because it just sets me up on a good set. But if it's somebody who's like, well, I don't like the taste of water, then we're probably going to have to do something like put lemon or something in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have them cut out this soda. Like, I think it would probably be like, well, what is the amount you can commit to? Like, would it only, would they want to only cut one down a day? We would go that way. If they're like super ambitious and it's like, oh, I'm going to cut it all out. We would do that. But generally going from zero to a hundred <laughs> doesn't Yeah, it usually work. doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. It just builds this like red button effect. Yeah. So then it's like, you got to be ready for that moment when they kind of go back to the soda. And it's like, you don't want them to feel like shamed or you failed. We well, let's just look at why you wanted the soda at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what happened there? Because I, so the times that I crave soda, it's really weird because I don't really like soda anymore. And, um, I crave the syrup, which is weird because I'm not a big syrup person. I never Mm -hmm. have been, but it's when I'm playing tennis. Really? Because I'm dehydrated. Yeah. That makes sense. So you crave sugar when you're dehydrated. It's really interesting. Like if you actually stop and drink some water in those moments, and it's not always the case, but in those moments, I would say. It's probably, it's a high number for me. It's like 90% of the time when I'm craving sugar, I'm actually dehydrated. I, I, I'm also blown away by the amount that water helps my appetite. Like there's a lot of times where I think I'm hungry and I'm like, oh, let me have this water and I'll figure out what I'm eating. And then I'm not hungry because I'm like, oh, I was just thirsty. 
<laughs> exactly. Yes. But it helps with like, it makes me feel full. And then when I first started trying to eat better, I know what helped me too was, uh, not, not all sparkling waters are good. Right. I know that a lot of them have aspartame, but some of them like Zevias will have stevia or I had these other ones. I didn't have aspartame at all. It had something else in it, but it just the bubbles like made me feel full. Um, mm-hmm. so I was like really like prioritizing when I did eat the other stuff, the good ones and eating, eating better portions and eating in a, in a different manner where I can stay under my calories. Um, and I know the sparkling waters helped a lot. Now I just, water does the same thing that sparkling water used to do. So I don't, I don't drink them at all. Uh, but it did make me feel a little bit full at first. So it was helpful there. Well, and like sparkling water is a good one too. Cause, and you can add little fruits to it and really make yourself feel fancy. Like in, mm-hmm. as a replacement for the soda, like there are a bunch of things that people can do to just increase the water intake. Cause it, it is funny how like, like your coffee, like you were talking about alcohol. If, if you're aiming for like your eight cups and you have a cup of coffee in the morning, that kind of takes away a cup. So you kind of have to have another cup of water to, to get yourself to the eight cups. So is coffee dehydrating? Caffeine is. Caffeine is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. You, um, didn't, you don't crave, you don't crave water with your coffee. <laughs> no, no, I don't. You may now. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, that's one of my vices for sure. I never drink coffee. I don't know what happened. Like one day I was like, I think we were watching a movie or something and I was like, we should just drink coffee. <laughs> Like we should do that. They're doing it in the movie. And uh, me and Laura bought a coffee pot and it's downhill from there. Like she stopped. Well, she drinks coffee now still, but she doesn't use creamer at all. She does coffee. And she actually puts a protein in the coffee and apparently it's very good. I haven't tried it yet, but she doesn't do it at all. But I am very guilty of still drinking coffee. I tried healthier ways and I can't help. It. I still put creamer in it. I know it's bad for me. I know I shouldn't do it. Probably a terrible way to start my day, but it's like a routine at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know that it was dehydrating. That makes sense. But, but caffeine is also helpful. Caffeine itself is a helpful fat burner, right? Well, hair is driving me crazy. I keep seeing my periphery, like a my husky hair. <laughs> Thanks, Zoe. Um, what was I asking? Oh, yeah, the coffee. So it's 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 dehydrating, but caffeine is also kind of a fat burner, right? What, what is this deal with coffee? Because I've heard some health people say coffee's good, and some people say coffee's bad. I think the worst problem with coffee is the stimulant part of it um like it can bring you into that anxious state and a lot of times we make bad choices with coffee like actually like you want your fat in it like so if your creamer is fat that's okay like it's not bad like when you start out your day and you don't want to kind of start out on a bad track you want to make sure you have your fiber your fat and your protein because a lot of times what we do with a cup of coffee is we have like a a, a muffin or some sugary donut or something Mm -hmm. so now we're setting ourselves up for when it comes to lunchtime i may have made a wonderful salad but because I started out so crappy, I am going to actually probably order out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so like the trend going. So I, I just try to make sure like, I mean, sometimes just throwing a little t- piece of butter in my coffee if I'm not because I, I, I don't do milk. I will do like you put butter in your coffee. Have you ever tried it? You got to try it. You have to explain that one to me. What like what's the uh, just the taste? It tastes good. Yeah, it's got a good taste. Is it's, butter good for you, though? Butter can be like it's. It can be like a healthy fat. Yeah. If, if you do get butter, not like the margin and stuff. And, and right now saying. I'm doing like the almond. Um, It's like a butter made from almonds. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm doing the dairy free. So like, yeah, I do a lot of nut milks and stuff in my coffee. I see what you're saying. None of them are as delicious as creamer. <laughs> yeah. I always go back to that. One. I, I, I even went to like an almond creamer and it's just not the same. I want the sugary one that tastes like cocoa pebbles or whatever. Like I, I, I can't help it. <laughs> 
I'll even, it'll work for a little bit. I'll trick myself into doing, at one point I did, um, it was stevia and like, uh, like agave. I don't know what it was. I tricked myself into having something that was way less calories. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's good because I did the thing where I'm like, if I just say it's good, like 10 times, I'll start believing that. <laughs> if you smile, people, you'll actually become happy eventually. It's like one of those moments. And so, uh, I just, I kept drinking. I remember thinking that I think I did like two months with that. And I'm like, yeah, this is so much better. And then, uh, the thing where you said like, oh, I could have a coffee, like I've been doing so well. And then I had regular cream. I'm like, oh, this is way better. <laughs> I tricked myself. That stuff's disgusting. And I, I couldn't go back to it because I had already tasted, I retasted the, the creamer. That's one of my mm-hmm. vices I need to work on along with hot, hot chips. But <laughs> the creamer, I just, I love coffee with creamer in the mornings. The good thing is I don't have terrible breakfast. I eat really well in the mornings minus the coffee. I usually have a, and I, I make well, little not, changes. You're not making, you're not just drinking coffee and then running on the go to work, which is, sounds like. Well, okay. thankfully I'm working from home. So I'm able to actually make my own meals pretty easily. I know not everyone has that luxury, which is why people tend to eat out. Right. Um, in which those people probably would benefit from meal prepping, but I, luckily I can just go make food on a break, um, or something. So I, I'm, I have good access to that and I don't, I'm not a huge breakfast person anyways. So I'm not a pancakey syrupy person. So I usually like I have turkey bacon right now. That's what I make. I, have, I love my, this is my go to breakfast. I'll do one of two things. Ezekiel bread is my favorite. I do Ezekiel bread one day if I'm wanting more of like a, a sweeter breakfast, which this isn't that sweet. But if I, I want the feeling, I'll do coconut oil on it. Just one piece, coconut oil and peanut butter is really good. Mm. Just one. Um, and I'm good with that. Or if I want more of a breakfasty feel, I'll do the Ezekiel bread with the coconut oil on it. And then I'll do um, like an egg. Um, I usually try to scramble them. If, if I do get crazy and fry it, I'll, I'll use extra virgin olive oil. Um, and then, um, I'm missing something. What else do I put on it? Yeah. Oh, and the turkey bacon. Mm. Yeah. And I, I'll have that. So one of the two is my go-to in the mornings and it's always just one piece. I never like do the double decker sandwich thing. It's just one. <laughs> I'll eat it quick and I'm good. Usually like one or two. I don't eat again because I don't have a huge, the coffee helps a lot too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's like kind of my go-to breakfast a little bit. That's good. I um. If I get up and do a walk, I generally have a smoothie or protein shake Mm -hmm. because it's like I'm craving something like that. Um, But like right now, I've actually made pancakes, but they're with oats and almond flour. And then I have like blueberries and like a lemon, you know, you do like lemon peel on in there. So you make them yourself, like you don't use the pre-made batter. I do not. Everything I do, not everything, but almost everything is made from scratch. Do you have recipes that you give either clients or posted somewhere or something? I do. Uh-huh. Okay. Cause that'd be interesting. I think people want to know how to eat pancakes better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause well, those yeah. are, yeah, it's, it's a smart thing. <laughs> Where do you normally put stuff like that? Um, that kind of stuff. I mean, it depends. I guess most of that stuff. I, um, I'll like work with, with my clients one-on-one and send them that. I see what you're saying. I do have a Facebook group and sometimes I'll post, um, foods but I, I don't always post the recipe like it's so funny with facebook groups you don't get a whole lot of interaction so um mm-hmm. at least i don't <laughs> and a couple of it's like if you're really well like known and stuff then you can usually see a lot of interaction but i i have to wonder sometimes if it just makes people feel bad you know like because you're like i'm eating healthy and they're kind of like mm, i'm not <laughs> well I've, been, I've seen some groups where it's like that people won't talk and they're not health related at all um, unless they're like promoting something um, they're just there for like monetary gain, but that's interesting. So if you're working with a client, then that's when you'll typically give out those recipes. That's always my thing is I always want to know, um, you know, it'd be a cool, a, a cookbook, but like, uh, 
where you search, you know, they have the little index parts where you search for your craving like pizza, and then, mm. but it's like a healthy pizza. Or if it's like, that'd be super cool. Enchiladas. Like you just go and you could just search for your, your vice, you know what I mean? Or what yeah. if it's chocolate, like maybe something that's similar, that's healthier. You know what I mean? I think that'd be a good idea because I think people put out cookbooks that just say healthy eating and then people flip through them and they're like, ah, but right. what they want is they're already had something in their mind and they don't want to have to search for it. I think it'd be really cool to like literally just go to your craving. Right. And That's then awesome. the crazier the craving, because someone like you can probably get super creative with this, like mm. hot Cheetos. Like if someone's oh, craving yeah. that and I, I need you to do this, by uh, the way, because it's one of my things. I, I'm up to the challenge. I love that kind of stuff. So maybe try to get really, really clever and come up with a hot Cheeto like dish, obviously yeah. without hot Cheetos. But something that would give you that like Same. spicy flavor. Yeah, like the salty, spicy. That would be such a good business venture. And well, then, yeah. And think of think of the foods that people eat that they're not willing to give up. Because like, mm. I think it's easy to do basic ones. Like, so the fried chicken, have grilled chicken. Mm-hmm. Don't don't stay out of the book. I'm helping you out right now. I'm, right. I'm well, your it's got to be a creative. Like moon pies. Solution. I have a friend that's addicted to moon pies. <laughs> if you can come up with like a healthy moon pie somehow, wow. you would save this guy's life. But that would be a cool, don't you think? I do. And well, you know, one of the things that I help people with too, that I think is super fascinating is sometimes when you're craving something, Mm -hmm. you're deficient in something else. So a lot, like for instance, when you're craving chocolate, sometimes Mm -hmm. you need more magnesium. So there's just little things you could actually do Mm -hmm. to give yourself what you're actually craving, but you don't realize what you're craving. That's the more intricate version of it. I don't know if I would pick up on that. So I'm assuming most people wouldn't. Like I wouldn't, like if I'm craving chocolate, I'm like, this must be magnesium. Like I would never no, think that. Well, I mean, I think it's like, I, if <laughs> you people would, want so, that yeah. option, like they're just kind of like, okay, I want to cut my chocolate craving. Why am I craving it so much? Then that's a place we can I go. I see what you're saying. That would be good to add to the book too then, right? Right. It would be another like what layer. What you're really having is a magnesium thing or whatever. You, but whatever you're it is. right about the tasting because. That's actually one of the ways that I would sabotage is when I first learned how to, when you learn how to make gluten-free stuff, it's disgusting. It's horrible. It comes out wrong. It's crumbly. It's too hard. Like it's terrible. Yeah. Texture is so, a big issue in eh, the gluten-free, huh? It's, it's, it's not worth even eating bread half the time. But I remember I did this cleanse and I made these little muffins and they came out so bad. And I'm on the cleanse. I'm trying to eat super healthy. I'm trying to follow it. And the thought in my head was, I want pizza or I want something greasy because I was so mad with how bad this came out and I didn't have a backup food ready. Mm-hmm. So I asked myself, what would be equally appetizing, but still fall within the cleanse realm or whatever? And yeah. it's so funny because I ended up making this quinoa dish with like chili powder and black beans and it like cilantro. And it's like I could see people kind of being like, how was that? But it was so delicious and it, it satisfied me. So mm-hmm. sometimes even just asking ourselves like that, like what would be, and I think that's kind of where you're going along with the book is like, what would be equally satisfying, um, but still like not be the worst choice you can make. It, it's how healthier, it's a little healthier than what you were originally going for. Yeah. I think mentally people are stubborn, right? And so once you have the pizza craving, you you know, even if you're trying to eat healthy, you shouldn't eat it. But then you're like, so that's where it would become healthy. The mental seeing the pizza and going this instead would mm. maybe because most of it's the mental hurdle, right? Getting it over is. that. Maybe it would be helpful to to see a different version and make that and still feel like you won because people don't want to yeah. feel like they lost, like eating the salad, like thinking of the pizza still. 
That's no, not a good feeling. Because I, that defeat, like the deprivation part of dieting is why people gain their weight back. Because they they know how to like deprive themselves and they cut out all these foods and mm-hmm. they're really strict. And then when Ooh, it's it, like the floodgates. Yeah, eventually <laughs> like it's going to come back to you. Um, so that is actually, um, it's not a good thing to just completely cut it out. Um, I had another thought and it went away. But oh, dare it. it. Was, I know, because it. it was kind of along those lines of um, like allowing yourself that, but still kind of going for the healthier choice and that mental hurdle. But I don't recall. So it'll, probably it'll, it'll up. pop up <laughs> at one point. But that, that they do a lot like Halo's ice cream, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. if you're going to eat ice cream, you know what I mean? Try this one. And it's a little bit less. I try to do that with everything because I, I agree that you should have and probably will have the things you want. But can you have a pattern and a history of having the healthier stuff and let that be the outside thing, right? This is what works for me. I'm not saying it works for everyone. Um, but then when I do eat, I try to go, what can I, how can I alter this to make it better? Like if I'm going to eat this, there's this better version of that mm-hmm. as opposed to, as opposed to giving it up completely. Right. And so I do now, here's my go-to and I'm not saying it's the healthiest meal, but I definitely call it the word health is in the name I gave it. <laughs> um, I call it healthy nachos. And, and oh. I always tell Laura, Hey, I'm making healthy nachos tonight. <laughs> And this is what yeah. I make. I don't care if it's healthy or not. It's healthier than going and get nachos somewhere else. The most, probably the worst thing about this, this uh, um, recipe is the chips, right? The tortilla mm-hmm. chips uh, are just regular tortilla chips. I usually get the Indigio ones or the Roberto's ones are really good. But regardless of that, um, I use black beans instead of using like a refried bean or any other bean. Um, I do bison instead of like, mm-hmm. a, um, like a ground beef. ground beef or something like that. Um, so I do bison with it. I do um, tomatoes and green chili. And um, what else do I put on them? That's pretty much it. Yeah, I do ground bison. I put the the, the black beans in there, uh, red tomatoes. I'll use black olives on it. And then I use mozzarella cheese instead of the Fiesta ones um, or the cheddar or whatever. And, that's, and I'll eat that. And it, it's delicious. I love it. And then salsa, which isn't that bad for you. You know what I mean? It has some good things for you in there. I mean, granted, you don't want to overdo it as salt in there. Uh, but for the most part, you know what I mean? You're eating vegetables yeah. with some vinegar. And um, so I, I'll put some salsa on it. And it, I, it, it, it. It gives me that feeling like I had nachos, but not as bad as like the greasy. Remember those greasy ones that you have at the bowling alley here? They oh, were yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. But after you eat them, you hate yourself. Yeah. It's like all that grease, you feel icky. And you're like, why did I do this? I suck. It's so it's like I get that. I get to eat nachos, but I don't at the end, I don't feel like I hate myself or suck. I feel like. Yeah. I feel satisfied. And in reality, it is healthier than the other. Well, ones, and right? that is actually one of my goals. Like you said, like that's like a 1% change. Like it's a small mm-hmm. change. It makes you feel good. It's still just as satisfying because you want to still enjoy food. Like, yes. It's like you don't want to have to go down to this idea of I have to eat tree bark to eat healthy. Yeah. And um, to me, I think it is extremely um, depressing. Like when I saw that I had to cut out 30 foods, I was really depressed. I was like, I yeah, don't know how tough. I'm going to do that. And then, um, and I've even had people who they've already cut out all these foods and somebody else suggests a different diet they go on. And they're like, I can't cut anything else that like, they're at that place of defeat because yeah. it's just this, this mental battle. And that's one of the reasons why I've gone into this direction is health specifically is because of that. Like that was so horrible and so lonely for me. And I would actually went to a nutritionist and an allergist. And it was the same kind of doctor patient relationship you have with any doctor. So it's yeah. kind of like they throw information at you and they set you off on your way. Yeah. 
And as a health coach, what's really cool is I work with people who have a, like a doctor tells you kind of need to make a change. Mm-hmm. And then you're at that place where you're set off going to make the habit change, but you don't exactly know where to start. Yeah. Or you, you kind of implemented for a few weeks and you're like, this is too hard. So the next time you see the doctor, you do your tests again and you're still kind of in the same place. You know, like the doctor's like, you really need, like they're kind of upset with you for not yeah. making the change. You're not taking this serious. So yeah, my goal is to help them support them in that. Like we meet once a week, we check on their goal. We stay on the track that they want to go. So by the time they go back to the doctor and they do their tests, things are looking better. Yeah. So what makes you different than any other health coach? Let's say someone really liked you on this podcast today and they're like, I think I want to hit her up. What, what, what does someone get from you that they're not typically going to get from someone? You know, it's funny because I've worked with a lot of different coaches and I think I have a, a, okay, like a bunch of different strengths, but I have a really good way of helping people shift from a low energy to a high energy. I'm also great at rapport. Like chances are I've done what they are going through. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and that helps, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, because people don't really want to take advice or work with somebody who's never been there. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, oh, yeah, you like know, I would like, be a terrible like Spanish teacher. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know it. So be, yeah, yeah, me just, too. You want someone that relates a little bit. This bald white guy is going to teach me Spanish. Well, and have you I mean, like g- going on a diet for a whole year, not cheating once. That says a lot. That's a very, very difficult impressive. thing to do. Yeah. Yes. 100%. And so it's like I know what it takes to be successful, too. So like those are some things. I'm a wonderful listener. And I think one of the hardest things about with me when I can't move forward, I'm assuming this happens to some other people is if I don't feel heard, Mm -hmm. I kind of stay stuck for a long time. Cause you know, when you go and you're like a, go to your friend and I, okay. So I don't know how it goes with guys, but a girl, you'll, you'll call up your girlfriend and you're complaining and they're like all giving you all this advice. Like you Mm -hmm. just like, I don't want advice. I just want somebody to listen. Like kind of want somebody to like hear my side and tell me it was okay to kind of feel the way I felt. Yes. But so I get really frustrated and then you call another girlfriend and the same stuff and you're getting really frustrated and you never move on. Like you're cycling through the stupid story over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so what I like is that you give this space for them to be seen and heard for their, their situation. There's no judgment. There's no advice unless you're, you're asking for it. It's we a lot of times come up with solutions together because it's in the context of their busy life. It's not like let's make all these changes and clean out your whole life. You have family that you still want to be able to eat with or you yeah. have these all these like things that are in place that you don't want to change. Well, we're going to figure out how like that creative solution to how you can still have what you want and still have those parts of your life that you still want. That's awesome. You know what you're really good at just from having this conversation with you. I can tell you have this really cool combination of good listening skills. You're very in tune to what's going on, but you're also assertive when it comes to the things that you're feeling or that you know about or the story that you're saying. So I think that's kind of cool because I think with, with people in life, whatever coach, mentor, whatever it is, someone that's a substitute or anything in life, you get a lot of one or the other. You get a lot of someone that's just like, yeah, like really great, but never pushes anyone. And then you get a lot of people that only push. And, oh, and yeah, those are both issues. You <laughs> yeah. You kind of have to have a combination of both. And I, I definitely hear it in your oh, voice thanks. and I hear it when you talk. Yeah. Cause you have to kind of relate, which is what you said, right? Like build rapport and, and you want to, and, and going back to the story about the girls that do that, definitely a girl thing. <laughs> and I know that because I didn't know that girls just wanted to be heard. I'm the idiot going like, 
well, I could solve all your problems. Like right now, like, I'm the solution guy. I'm like, well, don't go there. Like I, I'm like that. And it, like what you said, most of the time, it's like, I just want to be heard. And, um, and so that, when you were saying that story, that's what it reminded me of, I'm like, oh yeah, for sure. A girl thing. Um, but I think it's a good thing. I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that it's important because we don't know. Will, will you guys tell the dudes next time? Because right. men, we do not know that. Guys want to save. The, their job is to take care of you, but right? it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense if you come to me with an issue that I bring a solution I'm to I'm going to solve it for you. You're going to help you. <laughs> yes, but it turns out they don't want help at all. In fact, that's very insulting, guys. You need to cut that out. <laughs> no mansplaining. Just listen and agree. I, You know what? I'm really bad at that with everyone, men, women, because I, I don't like... I don't, you know what? If you're right, then I'll listen to you. But if you're like, <laughs> that sounds like I'm being an asshole. If there's a moment, well, I'm trying to think of an example so I can give you one. I swear this makes sense in my head. If my friend, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, a good example that's not specific. I'll keep it kind of general. If one of my best friends was dating a girl and came up to me and was telling me about her, naturally, as the friend, we typically go, we have their back and we'll go like, screw her, man. And I think that's dumb. And I think guys for sure need to stop doing that. I don't know if women do it, but I don't, I think that's being a bad friend. I really do. I think unless they are bad, right. But if my friend came to me and said, dude, I was playing video games and she was mad at me and she's so needy and wants to be around me. Like, I wouldn't be like, screw her. I'd be like, well, like, do you hang out with her? Like, like, it, does she have a point? You do play a lot of video games, man. <laughs> like I, I would like call them out if I knew it was true. Right. I would go like, Hey man, to be honest, like she has a point. Like you, you, she just wants you to, she wants to know you care. And that's her way of, I would give them real advice because I care about my friend and I want them to have mm -hmm. a healthy relationship. I'm not going to bash his girl every time he complains. Cause he's probably going to be with her for a long time. Right. I see that all the time with my friends like screw her. And I'm like, dude, he's going to go home to her tonight. <laughs> And you're like, you're going to be that dude that was talking crap about her. Um, and so I don't do that to any of my friends. I encourage people to stop doing it. I don't like it. Uh, but I do understand that there, some people do just need to be heard. I'm just not the guy. So I'm telling everyone, if you literally just want to vent, call someone else. Don't call me because I can't help it. I'm going to be like, yeah, you're out of your goddamn mind. I don't care if it's like my own mother or like, well, not my biological mom. It could be my closest friend, my closest. It could be Laura. I don't, it doesn't matter. Like I. If I see some something there, I'm going to say it. And, and that's just well, you know, and that's kind of the things that like because I've had some girls talk to me before and they're like, man, he just won't like listen. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like, it's taken me a long time. But the longer I took trying to get like a guy to just do that mm -hmm. it was more painful. So I found the person who could just listen, you know, yeah. and a coach is really great for that. <laughs> coach is because, perfect for that. You know, because they're just going to listen. They're not going to judge. Like you really want that safe place to say what you want to say. Yeah, I agree. And I don't mean being judgy. There's like a, well, you you're know, right. What your advice was good. You have to know your audience, right? <laughs> if it was a stranger and someone walked in like, Oh, I feel bad about myself. I wouldn't be like, cause you suck. Like I would never do that. But it, like, and I'm not that brutal with my friends either, but I'm just saying if someone, if someone came up to me and said like, I keep going to this uh, grocery store and this clerk's an a-hole to me. And I told him to stop. And then I went back there. He was an a-hole to me again. And I said, I'm not coming in here anymore if you keep being an a-hole. And then so today I go and sure enough, he's an a-hole. If someone's telling me that story, I'd be like, sounds like you need to stop going to that store. Right. You like, said you were not going to go back. <laughs> yes. I would not. I would not tell them like, yeah, that guy sucked. And like, screw them. Like, how dare I would be like, you need to stop going in that store because you're the one putting yourself in front of that guy. That guy's not going to change for you. You need to go to a different store. Like that's would be my advice. I'm not going to pretend 
that you don't deserve that, which they don't. They don't. No one deserves to be talked to like that. Mm-hmm. But you are going to the store. <laughs> it's very clear here what you're doing wrong. <laughs> Get away from that store. That's just how I would be. I would, yeah. I would give but them I that think advice. A lot of times when somebody's looking to be heard, they don't. It's like you have to, I guess, feel vulnerable and like enough or safe enough just to, to share. You know, like when you're just getting to know somebody and you're like, oh, my God, this really bothered me. But I don't know them that much. And if I if I tell them what bothered me, are they going to judge me for the way I think? I get what you're saying. That, that's for sure true, right? You can't just like, yeah, yeah, you have to build a rapport first. I think, and that's like all my years selling cars and doing the job I do now, you can't, good or bad, you can't really give someone advice if the, you don't have rapport. If they don't trust you, it doesn't matter. It could be the world's. Mm-hmm greatest best kept secret that you have and it will save their life if they don't like you it means nothing they will not even remotely listen to it and so you're absolutely right you gotta have to make a friend and build a rapport that way you can gently or in the correct way say something that's a little bit harsh because some people need that Mm -hmm. they think that their version is the right thing and it's like well your version is what you're doing now and is it working you might want to throw in a few, like keep some of it, but yeah, it, but, but you can never tell someone that unless you build, build that. Right. And so you're yeah. absolutely right. I think that's super important is building that relationship and being able to say you to, to the point where the other person knows you value them. Right. You, you built mm-hmm. them up, you come up with a plan, you've shown interest, you've told them how you, how you feel about their core things to where you can go, Hey, there's this thing you do. You might want to look out for it. You remember how you mm-hmm. mentioned every morning you wake up and you, you eat three donuts. I don't think that's the healthiest thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know that you do that and that's your routine, but that's not going to be the best thing. So maybe let's switch it to two donuts and let's do one for lunch and one later. And let's start the morning off right with like with eating a banana or a smoothie, right? It's something yes. and then eventually going like, hey, do you think we can kick the later one and just have the one here? What about once a week? It, but you can do that once you're like kind of build a rapport there. But if it was the first day and you said that, they'd be like, this guy thinks. I yeah. eat donuts all the time. And that's all. I, that's, He's just you know, judging I my be donuts. <laughs> no, I'm not telling him about the hot chips I right? eat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people appreciate that level of honesty. Like sometimes when you do give them kind of like a gentle, I don't want to like say challenge, but you just even question them and you're like, I'm just curious, you know, is this yeah. something that you do? Like, I, I just know people tend to work really hard. And sometimes it's like they get in these mindsets of like you were talking, like overdoing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's like, you'll even kind of um, ask them that because I've had clients who overdo it to the point where they start to get injured when they're on the exercise, like they're really focusing on exercise. And so it's, you kind of like pose a question and they're like, Oh my God, thank you so much for, for like having my back in that place because mm-hmm. I may not have thought to real, like question myself on that. Well, someone's got to do it. You're right. And a lot of times it's not going to be the person to themselves. The same way I don't always question. There's tons of things I need to work on unless someone tells me about them. I'm typically not going to see them in myself. And so, and I'll give you a really good example because of the way that I grew up. I moved into the FYI shelter and my parents never taught me to brush my teeth. Like that wasn't a thing. There wasn't a routine. I don't even think we had toothbrushes for a while. And if we did, we're pretty often out of toothpaste. It was just, I didn't have a habit of doing it. No one had taught me. So naturally I had some bad breath when I moved into the FYI shelter and those kids, that age group, they are not, they're, they're oh, not yeah. shy. <laughs> they are not going to be nice. Cause like, we don't want to hurt his feelings. There was one kid and I forgot his name, um, but he was old. The older, it was a older at the considering what's the best way to word this. The youth shelter, you can't be there at 18. So he was like 17 about to turn 18. So he was like barely able to stay there. And I was 12. So he was like the senior of the shelter kind of thing. And uh, of course, the younger kids would make fun of me. This guy was so cool. Again, creating that understanding and figuring out when's the right moment. 
He came up to me. He said, man, I like you, Will. You're like my little brother. He told me. I said, thanks, man. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, he said, hey, like, uh, if you need anything, man, let me know. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, in, in this shelter, that could mean, like, you got some drugs, man? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> he said, no, nah, man. Like, if you need anything, let me know. If someone's picking on you. Like, I'll, I'll put them straight, man. I got you. Like, you're, like I said, you're my little brother. And he would. If someone was, like, getting rude to me, he'd look. That guy would look at me. Uh, I'll shout him out. His name's Nolan. I don't, I, I don't know him since I was a kid. Maybe he's out there somewhere in the world to hear it. Um, he would always look at me and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he's being rude. He would go up to him. Hey man, leave Will alone. And he would always have my back kind of a gangster guy, but super cool. And he would always do that. And he came up to me one day and he said, Hey man, um, if you ever need like any hygiene stuff, like I have a bunch of stuff. My, I know your family doesn't come here. I, my family always brings me too much stuff. And that's probably not true. He probably just was trying to help me out. I can give you some of my stuff, man. And I was like, yeah, it felt more like a brotherly thing. <laughs> and so he's just like giving me deodorants and stuff. And he said, Hey man. And, uh, there's, I got this toothbrush for you. He's like, I'm going to be really honest, man. You know, those kids are making fun of you. I can't go beat them up every time they're doing it. Like, like we agreed. Um, but this is what we're going to do, man. I know you don't have a routine. So first thing in the morning, this is what I want you to do. Well, you're going to go brush your teeth. And then we have a meal, which is breakfast. And you're going to brush them right afterwards. And then after lunch, you're going to go brush them. He's like, I'll tell you what, man, I'll go with you. Because we, the way the shelter was, there's, it's like a dorm. There's two beds. And then we shared a bathroom. And he was the other one. So he's like, dude, just meet me there. This is the time. And like, again, like a brother, we would sit, yeah. brush our teeth together. And so I got into a habit. And what an awesome way for that person yeah. to, to treat that, which the other kids, the same thing. At the end of the day, no one wanted to live with a guy with bad breath. That's what it was to, to them. Mm-hmm. To me, I didn't want to have bad breath either. I just was a kid and no one taught me. Right. So I didn't know. But for him to catch that and do it the right way and to go about it like that was way more impactful. He had, he got the end result, which is Will brushing his teeth and fresher breath. <laughs> but those other kids were just being super rude and didn't connect to me. And it made me shy away. Mm-hmm. And I was, it, I never once thought I need to brush my teeth to make them stop making fun of me. It made me feel like I need to lock myself in my room. Oh, so they said, you yeah. know, it didn't do the desired effect, but what the other guy, Nolan did hundred percent did. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I'll, again, I take little pieces of all the experiences I've been through in life since I didn't grow up with parents. And that guy taught me how to do that by doing mm-hmm. it for me. And that was super impactful, just the way that he was able to, to relate to me in that way. Uh, again, same end result. He just did it better. And I mean, I think that's what's amazing is where a lot of people are confused with like food and stuff. Mm-hmm. They all have different relationships with it. They all saw different things in their life. And mm-hmm. it's so interesting when I'm talking to a client and they're like, I never thought of that. Or, you know, yeah. we never talked about food. All we just had was, you know, whatever. Um, Cause I remember I was working with um, a family member and she's like, we're just beans and rice. You know, <laughs> all we had was like Mexican food and it was real greasy and stuff. And um, I'm like, well, that makes so much sense. You know, like we're all confused yeah. once we hit a certain age, you know, I was even more confused once I left my house. Cause we had a lot of structure and then you, you go off on your own and it's like, do whatever you want. Ramen. <laughs> And now I can't eat ramen. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks a lot, college. (laughs) Oh, man. Some of the things that you eat in college. (laughs) Yeah, whatever's cheap. Taco Bell was the best place to go. You can get like three meals for seven bucks. I worked at Taco Bell and was so bad. Was One time, I I mean, I would bring the hot sauces home and I made this tuna sandwich and I put hot sauce in it because, you know, like tuna was boring. I didn't have mail or any of the extra Mm -hmm. stuff. I was scarred for life. (laughs) Was it bad? Oh, I was hoping the story was going to end different. <laughs> it's like you, you experiment. I, I'll one up you since you brought up sauce. This is how, this is how 
poor I was. This is even after I got out of my foster home and my biological home. I was like moved out on my own. I lived with these college kids and uh, I, I lost my job. I was drinking a lot. It was bad. And uh, I was too embarrassed to ask my roommates uh, for like money for food or like if they could take me out to eat. And I remember one day, like when they would all leave, there's like seven of them. It was a big house. And uh, I was like, I'm going to make food out of whatever I find in there. And it turns out college kids don't have anything. I was thinking I would find some leftovers and make something cool. There wasn't a lot to work with. <laughs> and so what I ended up doing was I made these noodles that I found. And so I essentially made like a Parmesan pasta, but no chicken. But we didn't even have sauce. I made it out of ketchup packets from like a restaurant. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and I poured all the ketchup packets like in a, in a pot. And I added like pepper. Like <laughs> I added all this stuff and then like a little like uh, weird garlic powder thing. And I like, I don't know what, it, and I just poured it on the noodles and it was disgusting. <laughs> it was so gross. It was the worst thing ever, but it's all I had. And I, my friends knew I was doing it and I didn't want to be a loser. I'm like, dude, this is like amazing. I think I'm a genius. <laughs> and I was just eating this really gross ketchup noodle. That's what it was. That's yeah, it was pretty gross. I was waiting to hear if that one was going to be good, but I was like, mm -hmm. well, I put pepper. Maybe it had a different effect. Oh, it was disgusting. <laughs> But I, I kept telling, like, dude, this is so good. Like, I don't want people to know I made something gross. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Well, especially when you eat real, like, Parmesan. <laughs> You're like, uh, plus, I was missing the main ingredient, which is chicken. But, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know why we're talking about this. Yeah, those, those crazy funny. food stories. <laughs> well, that's your foundation for food, right? I mean, like, when you're off on your own, mm -hmm. you have, you, you kind of scramble until you figure out how to get back to what you knew. Like, interesting, my, my dad actually cooked all the food. And he worked like lots. He always worked. My mom was a stuff mom. <laughs> but my, <laughs> she just did, would, kind of did not want to be the traditional, um, you know, Hispanic woman that like cooks for people and then serves everybody. She didn't want to be no, that? No, she rejected it. <laughs> okay. She rebelled. <laughs> she rebelled. And, um, but my dad, if he wanted to eat a good like meal for when he was at work, he was going to have to make the food. So he made really good food. And they always, and this might've been her influence. They always had this like fresh plate of vegetables, which I don't know if they were afraid they were going to go bad or she just didn't want us bouncing off the walls. So they always kind of had a like good foundation, but then you go off on a college and I, I was like, you'd be starving yourself, you know? And so you'd eat whatever you could. Mm -hmm. And it was years of bad habits. You know, you, you, you figure it all on your own. And that's like, that's where all the bad habits formed in my food like the stress eating and all that stuff once i started having a little bit more money <laughs> to eat the extra yeah chips and candy because most of the time i starved <laughs> yeah that's where you, those you, habits start but you get tortillas and cheese right and you make a lot of quesadillas or <laughs> yeah the cheap stuff the one yeah the ones you, the tortilla and butter came up last yes. podcast that was like a go-to and i was like we grew up on that <laughs> yeah that's like a that's a, the cheapest way to eat i'm not saying it's good but I mean, it's delicious. It's not good for you. <laughs> it's delicious, yes. So if someone wanted to reach out to you, um, uh, can they reach out to you on Facebook, social media? What's the best way to get a hold of you? I, I would say Facebook is okay. the main way that people reach out to me. So I will link your Facebook in the description. So if you're watching this and you want to reach out to her for question services, is that kind of, yeah. if someone just has a question that can reach out to you? Yeah, Yes, absolutely. do it. And her uh, Facebook uh, will be linked in the description below. Um, I appreciate you coming in. We've been talking for an hour and 50 some minutes. Oh, wow. Almost. Thank you so much. Yes, it's been awesome. Thank you for coming. It's very easy talking to you. I know. It's like if, if I never stop, we'd, they'd be super long. Um, but I appreciate you coming by, ladies and gentlemen, Julia Welsh. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you very much. Boom. We're out.